0: Welcome to the Best Player Wins Podcast, where we believe that winning is winning, no matter by how little or by how much. We are your hosts. I am Nate Endries, And I'm Eddie Quinones. And this week, we have another special guest. Today, we are honoring and
1: bringing in Michael.
2: How's it going, guys? Uh, It's Team O'Connor Forever. And just a little shout out to Scott, you know, first year in this league, doing really well. But he already knows I am the stronger Humes. So bring on the matchup this week.
0: Yeah, yeah, looking looking forward to that matchup, even though we'll we'll talk it's about it a little bit more. <laughs> yeah, we'll talk about it more, but I I don't know how close that'll end up turning out to be. I did want to open this episode uh just kind of recognizing the moment that we are in today. We uh we we found ourselves in a very important moment today in American history. You know, we're recording this on wednesday november 4th and we we all kind of witnessed something today that only takes place about once every four years and uh (laughs) that was jc making a trade uh so we will we'll we'll talk about that later in this episode but i just kind of wanted to start out this episode shouting jc out because i feel like we haven't really talked about him too much this season but it's mostly because again he has stayed out of the trade market and that's been a pretty big focus of content for us. So we will definitely talk about JC a little bit here today, but getting into our episode, we are of course always going to start with the prior week recap and I'm going to let Michael bat lead off here and give us his biggest upset from this past week.
2: Yeah, so I mean, I didn't see a whole lot of, you know, major upsets just by looking at, you know, team matchups and everything, but I will say the biggest upset I saw was Nick and Damon Um, And I think that for Damon, you know, a lot of his guys that he was relying on, such as DeAndre Swift, um, Adam Thielen, Adam Thielen and Justin Jefferson, you know, they only combined for 11.1 points. And those have been some like big risers for his team. Um, And then I think you're also starting to see the potential decline of Josh Allen, where, you know, in the beginning of the season, he was just rock solid potential MVP candidate. But as you see in the past few weeks, I mean, his numbers are just, you know, they're going down. But I will also say, uh, on Nick's point of view, I think another big upset is the loss of George Kittle. I think that's a huge loss for his team, especially considering that, you know, Juju and A.J. Brown, you know, yeah, they're really, you know, they're solid. Flex plays wide receiver too, but I think Kittle really – gave him that like almost like a wide receiver one. So losing that, you know, that's definitely a big blow to his team.
1: Yeah. Um, and that's a pretty good twist on the upset there. You know, I I really wasn't thinking it, thinking about that matchup along that way. Um, but I mean, you do make a really good point. I think, you know, Damon's team really, really didn't do so hot last week. You know, we were expecting a much closer game than what it actually came out to be. Um, but I guess I didn't really have a, a huge upset. You know, a lot of a lot of the games going into last week were pretty clear of who was going to win and who who was not going to win. Um, I'd say if, if we're going in terms of record and things like that, I'd go my game against Nate. Um, but if you looked at the lineups and everything, it really wasn't shaping up to be a, to be an upset. And I don't think much of the games this past week were that way.
0: Yeah. Definitely by record, you could, you could choose yourself beating me, but mm-hmm. I think we all had an idea going into the weekend that you were, you were looking like you were going to win. And mm-hmm. I was hoping to be competitive with some of the moves that I made, but it didn't end up working out. The biggest upset that I had was Kyron over Lucas. Mm-hmm. And we knew that this was a, to- a possibility, right? Cause these two were entering yeah. the week as the two worst teams in the league based on their record. But Lucas had the better quarterback room with Carson Wentz and Lamar Jackson facing off against Kyron's Matt Stafford and Nick Foles since since of course Gardner Minshew was out on Mm by and he had the better backfield with David Montgomery and Ronald Jones squaring up with Mike Davis and Zach Moss on Kyron's team. Kind of looking at the wide receivers, they were a little bit of a wash with I think maybe a slight edge going to Kyron with his big three grouping of Tyree Kill, Mike Evans and Jarvis Landry to Lucas's Amari Cooper, Deontay Johnson and Darius Slayton. But ultimately I expected Lucas's team to win, even though he was kind of recently over the past few weeks trending downward. Um, But this week his team completely ghosted him. Only three players in his lineup recorded even 10 points and those three players were Lamar Jackson, David Montgomery and Darius Slayton. And nobody in his entire lineup even reached 15 points. Um, so very bad week for Lucas's team and now he's kind of trending toward being eliminated from playoff contention Uh, but on the flip side even though Kyron got the win that this past week I don't expect him to make noise moving forward but I will give him credit for avoiding elimination for one more week getting that win over Lucas
1: yeah and and I agree I think you know this is kind of a perfect shift into kind of like our next segment, which was kind of the most shocking outcome. And for me, it was that, that match. Um, Cause I didn't necessarily consider it an upset. I think the most shocking thing is that Lucas's team didn't even score 72 points. Like that's, that's kind of unheard of. That's extremely low. You know, we've had some teams sit under a hundred in the eighties, but 72 points, that's, that's kind of rough. Um, I think his team just gave up on him this past week. And I think a lot of those big things like his lineup had the potential to have a pretty good game, but realistically, a lot of those numbers aren't going to be what they're projected to be like the Amari Cooper projected 13 points. Realistically, we all knew coming into the week, the quarterback situation that the Cowboys were having the likelihood of any of those receivers actually having a good outcome or a good game just wasn't very likely. Um, Deontay Johnson with Pittsburgh, like we've said before, Pittsburgh likes to feature one star player per week and it just wasn't Deontay Johnson's week. Um, but yeah, it was just, it was a really rough, rough
2: week for him.
0: Yeah. Mike, what was your most shocking outcome from this past week?
2: Dalvin cook. Oh man. I'm telling you, I, I really feel like I could have won that, but Dalvin cook just went off. He honestly did. I mean, you take away half of his points and I, and I win. And I think that's just like what, you know, you, you see those top tier running backs and every year in fantasy, like the projections beginning of the year, like the Dalvin Cooks, the Alvin Kamara's, Saquon, even though he got hurt, Christian McCaffrey. Like, yeah, I mean, getting one of those guys is definitely a big staple to the team. But going past that point, honestly, I, I would say the biggest outcome was Eddie snagging that win. You know, I definitely know. That the overall atmosphere was that Eddie was gonna beat Nate, but at the same point, him being able to pull off that win and now he's in that like spot, especially with some of the moves that he's made, uh, that you've made. I think your team's definitely looking bright down the road, down the stretch, um, especially now require, uh, acquiring Josh Jacobs, where you know Aaron Jones. You know, he's a little banged up. He's not too, too hurt. But now you have that, like, backup plan where, you know, Lev Bell was the big name for you when you first got him. But now with Josh Jacobs, who's been that, like, cornerstone for the Raiders along with Darren Waller, you know, I definitely think out of your team's, like, the way you've been able to manage it and now going forward, you know, it's definitely a big upside for you.
1: Appreciate that, man. Appreciate it.
0: Yeah, that's without even mentioning Alvin Kamara, but yeah. those are definitely good points. And <laughs> it, just to kind of highlight how crazy of a week Dalvin Cook had, the Vikings scored four touchdowns to beat the Packers. Dalvin Cook had all four of their touchdowns. He had three rushing touchdowns, and he also so had a 50-yard receiving touchdown and scored 48.6 yeah. points. That was um rough week to be playing against JC. So I feel yeah. for you there, Mike. And, and I definitely so, agree. I, mean... I think
1: I think that game right there. I was really thinking going, kind of going a little bit into the week. I was like, you know, I think he has a chance here to beat JC. I think he has a, a chance for a good upset. Um, but going into a weekly basis, you never know who's going to slap. And Dalvin Cook just absolutely went bananas. Luckily,
2: week, so yeah. L- luckily, um, Nate and our like our grandpa had his birthday party. Steelers game was going on, so I was still in a good mood. But I'll tell you what, if I was at home oh, and I was watching Dalvin Cook all to myself. <laughs> Words would have been said. That's all I can say. Oh, yeah. I feel that 100%.
0: Yeah. uh, So my most shocking outcome for the week was Michael's pick for what he highlighted during Biggest Upset. It was Damon versus Nick. And mostly for the same reasons that Michael went over. We all went into the weekend expecting this to be close, but it kind of turned into a, a blowout. And not because one team was performing really, really well. Uh, it was actually because Damon's team kind of performed way under expectations. And in some ways it was an unlucky week for Damon with Dalvin cook, literally poaching all four of the touchdowns, as we just said that we saw the Minnesota Vikings put up on Sunday. This of course led to a downer performance for both Adam Thielen and Justin Jefferson, which Michael highlighted with them combining, I think for like 11 or 12 points, Mm -hmm. um, But even more than that, after a big game the week before, DeAndre Swift was a dud in Week 8 with only nine total touches and 24 total yards. And then, again, Michael pointed out, Josh Allen has also been trending downward recently with Week 8 being the fourth game in a row where he's failed to reach even 17 points after opening the season, scoring 25 points in each of his first four games. Um, Damon did make a big move since this loss, which or t- actually kind of a two-series trade or two-part trade, which was overall a pretty big move. We'll get into that later in the episode, but I am interested to see how his team fares in this home stretch of the regular season. Uh, any closing thoughts on that matchup?
2: Nah, which I think matchup? you covered it all Nick- pretty well.
0: Nick and Damon? Yep.
2: Yeah. Um. No, no, really. I mean, I heard Damon really liked DeAndre Swift, so... We'll that's what I've. Does. That's
0: that's what the word yeah. on the street is. <laughs> well, that'll bring us to our top three standings update, and there's not been much movement. It kind of seems the same at the top every week. With Nick being our number one seed, the fantasy football team with a record of seven and one. Scott is the number two seed with a record of six and two. That is the helmet in the bush, and then Sean reclaims his number three seed, his Mad Hatter Matadors rolled on to a five and three record with the win this past week. So that is your top three in the standings, which uh, transitions us nicely into our weekly matchup preview, looking ahead to week nine. So starting with the best matchup, I'm just going to go ahead and give you mine. I have Sean versus Eddie. Um, Reason being Eddie is four and four coming into this matchup off of two wins straight while Sean is sitting at five and three and he's coming off of a win himself. Both teams are have found themselves in the middle of a stretch where they're dealing with injuries or bye weeks. So this week, Eddie's dealing with Joe Burrow out on bye and Aaron Jones being injured. And then on Sean's side of the coin, Joe Mixon is out on bye. So neither is going to be at full strength. Um, And this is really anyone's game to take. I expect it to be pretty close but I'm actually going to go out on a limb here and do something that I haven't done in episodes past and make a prediction that even though this is the best matchup, I'm going to predict that Eddie's team gets it done without Joe Burrow and Aaron Jones. And I actually said this, or I, I should say I prepped for this segment before he got Josh Jacobs, but even now that he he's adding Josh Jacobs to kind of fill in for Aaron Jones this week, I've, I expect even more so for Eddie's team to keep it rolling shake up the standings by dropping Sean to five and four while boosting himself to the same record. And then of course, Eddie is going to be looking ahead to a softer matchup next week against Keegan. So that is my best matchup for this week. Eddie, what do you got? I think,
1: and I I agree with you there. I have that as kind of the best matchup, Um, you know, and there's some big questions that I I, I have going into this matchup that are going to be kind of crucial for both of us coming in. Uh, You know, prior before I did the, the Josh Jacobs trade, you know, I had Le'Veon Bell as one of my big question marks because I had him put in my lineup because, like, I didn't have anyone to really fill that spot that I felt comfortable with. Um And realistically, as I was doing this prep is kind of when I came to the realization, I was like, I need to move Le'Veon Bell and try to fill that spot somewhere else. Um And, you know, I, I kind of moved that. So my biggest question really coming into this week is is Drew Locke. Is Drew Locke going to be able to sustain enough points and give me just enough to where the rest of my team can kind of make up that difference? And then on the other side, you know, he has Tyler Irvin from Green Bay. Well, right now, we don't even know if that game's going to get played Thursday. If that game doesn't get played tomorrow and it gets pushed to Sunday, well, there's a chance that Aaron Jones comes back, which makes even better of a case for me. And then Irvin's not getting barely any snaps if Aaron Jones comes back. Um, but if the game is played and Tyler Irvin coming in, he has to play a really good game. And then Crowder is going through some injury things right now, um, where he needs Crowder to show up and can't be injured. You know, he's got a couple people on his bench that might be able to go in there and make a little bit of a difference. But I think Crowder compared to anyone else on his bench is a little bit more of a consistent choice for him. Um, so on my side, I have drew Locke, And then on his side, I have Tyler Irvin and Jamison Crowder you know, those, those people need to perform.
0: Sure. Mike, who do you have as your best matchup this week?
2: Yeah. I mean, I'm going to piggyback off of you guys. I definitely think the Eddie and Sean matchup is definitely the best matchup. Uh, even before the Josh Jacobs trade that, you know, Eddie, you pulled off. I mean, there was only what a 2.7 point differential. Yeah. So, I mean, just like looking at that already, especially considering that, you know, they are two good teams. Eddie, you're four and four. Sean, he's five and three. Um, And to kind of go off on what Nate said, I'm going to double down and say that Eddie does pull off this win. Uh, Basically, as a Pittsburgh fan, and I'm going to say this because of Big Ben and James Conner, you know, it's great seeing Pittsburgh seven and zero. But you, you, you know, you hope that this isn't one of those games against Dallas where Pittsburgh pulls off, you know, a Mike Tomlin dud, quote unquote. So, Sean's pretty much got to hope that his big, you know, his studs like Kyler, Hopkins, you know, can Connor keep pulling off what he's been doing. But at the same point, like you mentioned, Eddie, like if this, if this Packers and 49ers game gets moved to Sunday and you get the chance not only of having, you know, the new acquired Josh Jacobs, but also Aaron Jones, who can just snap at any moment, and plus Camara, the number one fantasy running back. I mean, I think you have those three-headed horses. Even with Drew Locke, with the questionable, I don't see how – unless you just get super unlucky, yeah. you lose. But at the same point, this ma- this matchup plays a lot of factors into future standings, playoff implications. So, yeah, definitely something I think everybody's yeah. going to be looking at.
1: And I think something else that I wanted to add in here that I kind of put in the bottom – is that coming into today Alvin Kamara got a questionable for this week. He had uh I think it was a foot bruise or something like that or something with his foot. They said it was it was very mild. There wasn't anything serious and there's most likely a chance he does play on Sunday. But if he doesn't play this weekend, that's a that's a big old oof
0: for that'll me. Make it, lot, that'll make it a lot yeah. more interesting if that were to happen. Yeah. Just just so. for the sake of um Presenting the contrary. I would point out that the other pretty good matchup that we have to look forward to is JC versus Nick. And I would Mm -hmm. mostly say that on account of their records, JC sitting at five and three, Nick sitting at seven and one. Um, I would expect that to be the next closest matchup, but there weren't too many great matchups to pick from. I will say, you know, since we all agreed on the same pick for best matchup, we have Damon versus Lucas. Um, Don't expect that to be particularly close. Me versus Kyron. We have Jake versus Keegan, who I know both have a 3-5 and five record, but I think those two teams are kind of trending in completely opposite directions. And then, of course, we mentioned earlier Scott versus Mike, which is going to be a tough matchup for Mike. But just to kind of back up the fact that we all chose Sean versus Eddie as the best matchup, I think it was a pretty true representation of the, close, the most closely matched yeah. two teams facing off this week. But to give you the opposite pick, our worst matchup, I have myself versus Kyron. And again, since there's not a lot of close matchups this week, I probably could have went a couple different ways with this, but I don't honestly expect this one to be close. And this matchup happens to come at good timing for me. Cause I'm sitting at four and four and coming off of a loss. Uh, but to be honest, I'm treating this matchup essentially as a bye week for my guys to kind of game plan and get ready for the road ahead, <laughs> oh, which will hopefully yeah. be an extended oh. playoff run that that results in bringing home a second championship to yours truly. Uh, the only area of our lineups that are particularly close, at least before today, were the quarterback matchups, which I have Derek Carr and Tua Tagovailoa, and Kyron had or was expecting to have Matthew Stafford and Nick Foles course now we know Matthew Stafford's availability is in jeopardy due to him being put on the COVID list I might give Kyron the edge in this particular comparison if he had Stafford because I don't think it would be fair to factor to his upside more heavily than the actual production we've seen from him so far but for what it's worth I do expect him to turn it around this week because this past week, where he made his first NFL start, he had a pretty limited opportunity to display his skill set with his team going up twenty-eight to seven before I think even the third chance that he got to touch the football. So I do expect him to turn it around, but of course, not super worried even if he doesn't, because again, kind of treating this week as a bye week.
1: Yeah, um, I completely agree with you here. I have an I have another matchup also um, that I that I would align, and I think kind of the same boat for both of you. I think it's Damon versus Lucas this upcoming week. Um, I don't think this is going to be close at all. Um, and I, again, Damon is in the same position as you, coming off of a loss, sitting at four and four. Uh, he kind of kind of needs this to kind of get himself back up, and I think him facing Lucas this week was just a perfect opportunity for him. Uh, hopefully his team doesn't drop a complete dud like they did last week, which I can't imagine that they do. Um, but it's just, it's just not a very – it's not going to be a very close matchup or a good matchup.
0: Mike, what do you got?
2: Uh, I got two, actually. Um, definitely, Nate, you know, the matchup you have with Kyron. I, especially considering now that McCaffrey's coming back, you know, you have no idea what, what sort of production you're going to get from Mike Davis. You know, I know reports say that he's still going to be a factor, but how much? I mean, we're talking – Christian McCaffrey, arguably the best fantasy running back in the past two years coming back. So that definitely puts a damper on the production of Davis. Mm -hmm. Um, The other one I got is – and this – it's not a representation of, like, bad teams, but it's Jake against uh, Keegan. And I say that because, like you mentioned before – These two teams, yes, they are three and five, but their directions are definitely going in the polar opposite direction where Jake was able to make some really good trades this week. And him getting McCaffrey back is huge considering he's been really like flexing with his running backs so far this year. And I think it's a big reason why his record is what it is. But now on Keegan's side, you're basically only hoping that Tyler Lockett proves that he is the number one fantasy wide receiver and it's a Tyler Lockett day and not a DK Metcalf day but against a good Buffalo defense and depending on you know who Tredavious White covers you know you're hoping for a miracle there so I think overall the worst matchup would be that one but clearly it's obvious that Nate's looking to eliminate some names this week so we'll see yeah
0: and I'm glad that you pointed that out because I think that that was a great pick and I'm glad that you kind of gave some airtime to that. Yeah. Uh, I think I read that Tredavious White is going to be covering DK Metcalf. So that does bode well for Keegan's chances of Tyler Lockett going mm-hmm. off. But again, I think you're right in that it would take a, another like 50-point game from Lockett to kind of climb and beat Jake's yeah. team, especially with him getting Caff- McCaffrey back. And we'll uh, talk about Jake's team a little bit toward the end of the episode. I definitely wanted to talk about the way that he's been managing his team lately because i think it's it's flown under the radar and until you sat you sit down and look at the roster that he's compiled you don't realize how good his team actually is mm-hmm. so we will definitely come back to that glad that you brought that up his worst matchup anything to close on with that matchup eddie if not i'm gonna transition to my most important
1: uh nah, nothing really
0: okay my most important matchup and I I have a feeling Mike that you're gonna pick the same one so I'm gonna present my points and if it if you if you did happen to pick this one you can kind of piggyback off but it's you versus Scott and the reason why I picked this as most important matchup is because I believe that two things are at stake pending the outcome of this matchup and the funny thing is when I was typing my prep for this segment, uh, I was writing pending the outcome of the election. That's what I typed. And I just thought that was funny because like, you know, the election going on this week, <laughs> that's where my mind yeah. was, but uh, pending the outcome of this matchup, I think two really big things are at stake. One is Michael's season. I think if Michael drops to three and six here, that it will be too hard to dig himself out of that hole and nab the six playoff spot. J- mm-hmm. Just based on how our standings are stacked right now with most of our concentrations, being 500 or above. And then the second thing is an undisputed top two teams in the league. And it's with the same outcome. If Scott pulls off the win, I think that the separation between he and Nick is the top two and the rest of the league fighting in the middle or near the bottom is going to be too great to bump either of those guys from a first round bye during the playoffs. Yeah. Now to kind of put the matchup itself into perspective, miles Gaskin of course we heard is going to be out for three weeks Um, But again, Michael still has a tall order to meet trying to top Scott's lineup, which has proven itself week in and week out at this point.
2: Yeah, I mean, it it definitely is my most important matchup. And I'm not trying to be biased towards myself or anything like that. But like kind of how you mentioned, I mean, if I lose, then I got to play two teams who have made some really good trades with Eddie and Jake coming up. I. I, this, is got it, this is a must-win scenario for myself, yeah. and, I mean, that's why I did what I did with trades. And don't get me wrong, I like the trades that I made, considering what I had previously. You know, Sterling Shepard, him coming back, um, I think that was a nice win for me. Uh, but at the same point in time, my current roster at the moment, I'm basically banking on the fact that Clyde edwards is the running back that the Chiefs – surprised when they drafted him and you've seen it that ever since bell came back you know the numbers are starting to go down and i don't think that's a representation of you know like a um, dethroning of the throne from edwards alair to bell but at the same point when you have a loaded roster and our offense excuse me that the chiefs have it's like you're basically hoping that it's a cloud edwards alair day so at the same point in time, I do have some tough matchups with my team. I mean, Drew Brees against the arguably the second best defense, maybe first against the Steelers. Teddy Bridgewater, who's been declining. Uh, so Steelers, I'm hoping- Steelers
0: are not playing the Saints. Just as an FYI, I think no, no,
2: no, no, no. Drew Brees against Tampa, their defense.
0: Yeah. Oh, did did you say Tampa? Gotcha. I thought, yeah. For some reason, I thought you yeah. said Pittsburgh.
2: Go ahead. Keep no, going. I was just no, I was just comparing them. Um, Not,
0: oh, okay, I got gotcha. you.
2: So basically, I'm sending a prayer that Chase Claypool has the same two games that he had that one two game stretch, and uh, Jonathan Taylor will see if he's remained to be healthy, which is nice that I did get Niam Hines right as well, mm-hmm. just to make sure that if Taylor is out, that Hines is there as well. So, and in terms of Scott, and you know, if he does pull off that win, like you said, I don't see a scenario where he doesn't get a bye week. I think the uh, stretch of everybody else trying to play catch up to Scott and Nick, I think this, if he wins, it cements him a guaranteed bye week. So yeah, I definitely agree. Most important matchup.
1: Yeah. Um, and I guess one thing I want to go back to Clyde here and, and kind of what you were saying, you know, he went from averaging the first six weeks of the season roughly about about 18 to 20 carries a week. So over the last two weeks, averaging seven carries, it's, it's been a big shift since Le'Veon came in there. Um, in kind of his totals and it kind of made me question, you know, is, is Clyde completely healthy and maybe that's why they went out and made, made picked him, picked Le'Veon up to kind of get some off of, uh, off of Clyde or, or anything along those lines but yeah I think that's that's a pretty big question mark on your lineup just kind of how Clyde is going to do um yeah but transitioning kind of to my most important matchup I have JC and Nick um because on one end yes you have Michael and Scott you know your game kind of decides Scott's position in first and second but that matchup with JC and Nick it can pull Nick down to that second place and kind of make make them a little bit more vulnerable you know i think i think nick has a little bit of a tougher schedule from what i was looking at than scott does kind of on that end end piece there you know they both don't have fairly tough schedules i think their schedules for the rest of the year are doable and they can both pretty much win out um but i think there's a chance that with nick's schedule coming up and kind of how everything's playing out with jc i think that plays a pretty big role there um obviously they'd both cut both catch a bye if they finished first and second It really wouldn't make too much of a difference if they played out really well. Um, but it's just kind of like a good little scenario to put out there. You know, that there is a chance that the JC could win this week, especially after our trade, him adding Allen, um, Keenan Allen there at his wide receiver, um, moving some of his running backs around and everything. So, but that's what I have as my most
2: important matchup.
0: Yeah. Good thoughts for sure. Um, anything concluding there, Michael?
2: Uh, I guess piggybacking off of what Eddie said, I mean, yeah, I could definitely see how that's the most important because now with Nick you know, losing Kittle, mm-hmm. I, like I said, I think that's definitely a big blow because there's, in my personal opinion, and I know we'll get into this subject with tight ends later in the episode, but there's really only two guys that have that almost wide receiver one talent or like production, and that's Kelsey and Kittle. And losing Kittle like that, Especially considering that, you know, you have Juju and A.J. Brown, who, like I mentioned before, they're good wide receivers, but they're no Tyreek Hill, DK Metcalf. So, yeah, I mean, we'll see if it hurts Nick down the road. You know, he does have Dallas Goddard, but Zach Ertz is still slated to come back. So we'll see.
0: Yeah, yeah, definitely be interested to see how that shakes out. Getting into our trade talk portion of the episode, another busy week on the trade market for our league. Um, I didn't actually count, but I think we might have had just as many trades this week as we did in our pretty action-packed week eight. So getting into it, I'm going to go in order, and I'll get your guys' quick hitting thoughts and gut reactions. First one of the week was Scott giving up Tim Patrick where Jake gave Naheem Hines in return. Eddie, your thoughts on that trade?
1: I think with uh with the situation on how Jonathan Taylor's kind of rolling around, I think uh um for that situation, you know, Naheem Hines has been moved around. So, you know, Jake has pulled in has pulled in Scott and Naheem Hines. I mean, my fault. Jake has pulled in Tim Patrick and then Scott pulled in Naheem Hines, but you know, he used Naheem Hines to trade him. I think overall, from the very beginning, I think this was pretty much a wash. You know, Tim Patrick isn't someone that I'm banking on on a weekly basis to put even in my flex. Um, and neither is Naheem Hines. I just think they were both filling gaps in positions where they needed him. Um, but it's kind of indifferent about it.
0: Mike?
2: Um, I mean, I can see now how Naheem Hines has current trade value, which is you know, why I, mm-hmm. I eventually traded for him. But at the time of when the trade happened, yeah. I mean yeah. nothing crazy, just need for need.
0: Yeah. I agree. I think Jake was trying to turn a player that he knew had expiring value on his team since he didn't hold the starter or a flex player in Tim Patrick. And then I think on Scott's side of the end or Scott's side of the deal, he was getting insurance behind Jonathan Taylor, but also giving himself the flexibility to move Jonathan Taylor and in large part, the entire Colts backfield if he wanted to during a trade, which obviously we ended up seeing him do that we'll get to in a little bit here. I thought it was pretty even. Didn't really think much more of it. That brings us to our second trade of the week, which was me giving up Randall Cobb and Scott giving up Scotty Miller. So I'll just give you my quick thought process behind the deal. I was facing a tough tough matchup heading into the week with Eddie, and I had a ton of players out on by, including Randall Cobb. I was just looking for a player to kind of put in my flex spot that would have some upside for the week. And of course, we found out early in the week that Chris Godwin was going to be out because he got surgery on his finger. So I thought that would give a boost to Scotty Miller. So that is why I made the swap. Mike, what are your thoughts?
2: Um, I would say that I don't know if Scott had this idea that Will Fuller was going to get traded. I don't know if he came to you, Buck Cobb. Because, you know, if Will Fuller gets traded, Randall Cobb's, you know, immediate need goes way up. So, mm-hmm. But at the same point, if it was for matchup for matchup, I can see it. So I haven't talked to Scott about if he liked Cobb like that. I know he moved him down the road, but not really much to say on that.
0: Sure. Eddie?
1: Yeah, I think, uh, again, a need for need at the week um, where it was. I think across the board it was a little bit of a wash again.
0: Yeah, and uh, just for transparency's sake, Scott sent me two offers. One was a very large offer, and then the second one was this, and I just evaluated my team. At the time, I felt like the smaller one just fit my needs a little bit better, so that's just kind of what led up to this one-for-one trade. That transitions us into our first big trade of the week, which was Michael giving up Tyler Boyd, Dalton Schultz, and LaVisca Chenault Jr., and me giving up Will Fuller the fifth, Scotty Miller, who I kind of turned around, and Adrian Peterson. I'll let you go first, Mike, on what your thought process was on this trade.
2: First of all, I'm just going to say, can Scotty Miller stay on a team? Because mm-hmm. I feel like he's been traded around so much. Yeah, anyway, he dropped recently.
1: That- yeah, he's on the know. waiver now.
2: <laughs> but besides that point, um, I remember me and you talking. I was on my way home back from the gym and I knew Tyler bold was on a buy and I definitely needed a wide receiver Um, for this week that is. Yeah. And you presented, Yeah. For this week that we're playing right now and you presented me with Will Fuller who, you know, knock on wood right now has been healthy this year and he's been producing really well and he's clearly the number one wide receiver in Houston, especially considering he didn't get traded. So – and then considering that Joe Burrow is throwing the ball around like he did in LSU, it, it's in terms of – yeah, yeah. <laughs> do you, I will say, I will say, and I'll, I'll cut back into the conversation, but I will say I was a little skeptical about Joe Burrow coming in this year, but that dude's bad. He's a bad mofo. Oh, yes, he is. Uh, but anyway, so – Back to where I was at, um, I just figured that even if Will Fuller got traded and you kept hearing maybe the Packers, I don't think his production changes, whether he was in Houston or in Green Bay. I know Devontae Adams is there, but Rodgers has never had a deep threat like Fuller. So I think at this point it helped me this week that's coming up for sure. And I don't think – Nate, did Tyler Boyd, did he end up scoring last week? He did.
1: Yeah, he had one. He I was pretty mad about it when it happened because I celebrated yeah. Joe Burrow, and then I looked who it was, and I was like, "God
2: damn it!" Yeah, because yeah. I remember that Boyd wasn't doing a whole lot for you, so initially I thought to myself, "Okay, I think I maybe won this deal," but then future trades on the road, I don't have Scotty Miller anymore, nor do I have Peterson, and I, I Nate, you don't even have you don't have Dal- Dalton Schultz. You have Chenault. I I mean,
0: I'll I'll jump in and kind of give my thoughts, which are mostly the same as yours. The meat and the potatoes of this deal is Tyler Boyd for Will Fuller, the fifth. And it really, it was a nice trade negotiation in the sense that it worked really well for both of our teams, at least at the time, that was our thought process. And there wasn't much opposition that we got from each other. We kind of knew when I just threw it out there and I didn't even have like I was driving up to Erie to watch my brother play his high school football game. So it's not like I was looking at fantasy or had my laptop open. It just kind of came up naturally in conversation that Mike was going to have a tough matchup next week, which is now this week, week nine with Kareem Hunt, Robert Woods, Tyler Boyd, all on by. And I was like, yeah, man, I'm kind of facing that this week with Will Fuller, Terry McLaurin, James Robinson, all out on by and Rand- Randall Cobb before that. Um, and so I was like, little light bulb went off in my head. Michael, what if we swap our wide receivers? Like I'll give you somebody like Will Fuller, you give me Tyler Boyd. So it kind of, we take on each other's burden by you taking one guy on by this week from my team. And I'll take one guy that's on by next week from your team. So it kind of spreads it out a little bit. And he was like, yeah, I kind of follow that line of thought. I f- follow, follow that line of logic. And from there, I kind of let Michael direct what the rest of the pieces in the deal were going to be. Of course, I gave my input, um, but I wasn't too concerned on what the rest of the trade looked like. I was mostly just concerned with getting that swap of Will Fuller for Tyler Boyd to make myself competitive for the week. So I think overall it ended up just being an even trade. Eddie, what are your thoughts as a third I, party?
1: I agree completely. Um, I think this trade is going to work out pretty well for both of you. Obviously, you know, you use some of those extra pieces, you move them around and kind of made some other some other moves uh you made some moves with scotty miller to get these pieces is what i'm saying so i think um i think it worked out really well for both ends um i think tyler boyd obviously is a solid wide receiver it's great um and again will fuller like you guys said those were really the two main pieces of that trade everything else is kind of kind of whatever you know what i'm saying but yeah um but i think it was a pretty good trade overall
0: yeah i'm glad that we can all agree on that yeah Next one is a small one, but another one with Michael involved. Sean gives up Tevin Coleman and Michael gives up Jerry Judy. I will go ahead and lead off and say that I thought that this trade was completely even with not a lot of ramifications coming out of it.
1: Yeah, Um, I agree. It was just, again, a need for a need. Tevin Coleman, Jerry Judy, you know, none of them are really two huge names that are really going to blow up a deal. Um, It was just, again, a need for a need.
0: Mike?
2: Yeah, I mean, I... I agree. I, I saw Tommy Coleman, he was coming back. Um, took the chance. Jerry Judy really wasn't performing and needed a running back, took the gamble that you know he would be healthy and now well he's not. So but Jerry Judy's still not that good either. So we'll go sure. from there.
0: Yeah. I don't think anything I don't think any winner or loser emerged from that deal. Like I said, it was mm-hmm. nothing crazy to begin with. The next one that we have is Keegan giving up Boston Scott and me giving up Dalton Schultz. Um, this for me was just filling a one week need. I was just buying Boston Scott on a one week rental because, of course, the Eagles are on bye this week and Milo Sanders is definitely expected to come back fully healthy after their bye week. So I knew I was just getting a one week rental. But I will say, Michael, at the end of our negotiation for that last big trade that he and I made, he said, I'm going to drop Dalton Schultz. Do you want him in this deal? I was like, yeah, go ahead and throw him in. So I did turn a throw in into the deal into at least something that I could use for my lineup that week. So I kind of looked at it as a positive.
1: Yeah, I agree. I think. Again, kind of following some of the trends for this week. A lot of a lot of small trades were made to fill needs and necessities. Um, and this was this was one of them again. You know, you you wanted to fill that spot. Boston Scott did pretty well for you. It wasn't he I think he did more than what I expected him to do for you, but you know, it, it worked out pretty well. Um and again, Dalton Schultz, I think, had like eleven points for Geegan last week.
0: So it was just a wash. Right. Mike, any thoughts on that?
2: Not a whole lot. I mean, Boston Scott. You know, with Sanders out, you know, it definitely helped out. Um, but at the same point, with the shitty—sorry for my language—situation, <laughs> I are we allowed to swear on here
0: a little bit? Yeah, you slightly? can. Yeah yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, no biggie. I, I,
2: I didn't ask you that.
0: Earlier. We we mark right? we mark it for mature audiences. I yeah. figure I figure everyone in I our league you. is can handle it. Go I ahead. got
2: you, but no. I mean, considering the really crap situation with. know, the Cowboys quarterback situation, um, you could, if Amari Cooper's numbers are going out Zeke's numbers are going out and CDs, I mean, what's really there for Dalton Schultz, you know? So,
1: yeah. And, and I guess, like I've always said before, and I will always say this, a young quarterback is always going to target a tight end over a wide receiver. Um, True. And it's just a comfortable thing, you know? And I think Dalton Schultz, I think has the most to benefit from this quarterback uncertainty because historically, you know, a lot of really young quarterbacks usually target tight ends. It's a safer option to big target, usually shorter throws because you don't have your tight ends going down the field on streaks unless you have like Evan Ingram, Noah Fant, George Kittle, you know, like a big name tight end that can really do those things. Um, so, you know, I think, I think Dalton Schultz has a little bit of a, of an upside from the situation, but again, just a wash.
0: I can agree on that. Yeah, that brings us to our second big trade of the week. I'm sure Eddie's excited to talk about this one. (laughs) Eddie gave up Todd Gurley, Josh Reynolds, Jamal Williams, and Marvin Jones Jr. and received from Kyron, Tyreek Hill, and Brandon Cooks. My thought on this deal was that, I don't want to say Eddie took advantage of Kyron, but I want to say that Eddie took advantage of Kyron's situation knowing that he was in dire need of basically winning every single week (laughs) in order to avoid getting eliminated from playoff contention. Um, And I think Kyron kind of felt the heat of getting near that elimination mark of seven losses. And so even if he had to give up the better end of a deal, I think that he just kind of felt pressured into doing something. And Eddie just happened to be the guy that was there to reap the benefits of that. I think the only impact player from Eddie's side is Todd Gurley. And I think it's been, it's become pretty clear. And I'll admit that I was wrong because I reacted pretty strongly to a trade with Keegan giving up Todd Gurley to Eddie last week. I was thinking that Todd Gurley is more of just an impact player, period, end of sentence. But I think now it's become pretty clear that Todd Gurley is only an impact player when he gets into the end zone. So he's pretty touchdown dependent. And of course, Kyron giving up. Tyree kill and Brandon cooks Tyree Kill, his name speaks for itself. He puts up top 10 production every single year at the wide receiver position. And then of course, Brandon cooks has been a top 30 wide receiver this year. So I think Eddie got two impact players in return for the one that he gave up. And I think the other three guys, Eddie gave up were mostly just fluff and Reynolds Williams and Marvin Jones jr. Mike, I'll throw it to you. And then Eddie can kind of speak on his own deal.
2: Yeah. I mean, I definitely think Eddie, Definitely won this one. I mean, Tyreek Hill. You know, it's Tyreek Hill. I mean, he's clearly in connection with Mahomes and having that. You know, that's big. I mean, we're talking. Hills had one game with less than ten points. And that was against Buffalo, and I'm assuming Travis White was covering him. So I think you know, talk early. I think we're definitely. I don't want to say we're starting to see the taking of the reins of what's his name Hill. What's first name? The other Falcons running back.
0: Ryan Hill. Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah. I don't think we're seeing any taking of the reins, but like you mentioned, Tug really is so touchdown dependent that, you know, if you can get yourself a easy top five wide receiver in fantasy without giving a whole lot, especially, I don't know, Eddie, did you, when you try to get cooks as well, Were you thinking that will fuller was getting traded?
1: No. So my situation with cooks, was more so he was on a buy and Kyra needed wide receivers, um, oh. and that's why I threw in Marvin Jones and Josh Reynolds.
2: Fair enough. Yeah, I mean, I when you acquire a stud like that, I mean, it's pretty hard to lose it. Um,
1: and I think I think the biggest thing, and I think you can kind of tell by Nate's reaction there, is that even though he had a buy, it was kind of pointless because when I threw in Todd Gurley it nulled the trade until the week was over. And I made sure, you know, I, I originally wasn't going to mention it, that if I throw Todd Gurley in there, this won't process till the next week and you'll still have to eat the buy. Um, and then my girl said next to me, she's like, come on, she's a like, good karma here. You got it. You got to say something. So I was like, all right. So I said something I told him, I was, you know, if I put, um, Gurley. Gurley in this trade, this isn't going to process till next week. So I was like, you're going to eat this buy. I'm going to get the last week of Jamal Williams. I didn't say that, but I'm going to get most likely the last week that Jamal Williams sees a majority of the touches in that backfield. Um, and you're not really going to reap too many of the benefits. And then he said that's something that he was willing to deal with, because even if he were to lose this game this past week, that game, you know, he still had an opportunity to try to win the games after that. Um, with the players he was getting in return, so I thought about doing the idea of putting in Todd Gurley and Brandon Cooks um, separately, putting that separately, and then doing Josh Reynolds, Jamal Williams, and Marvin Jones and Tyreek Kill in a separate trade. So those big players transfer that same week, and then that other trade with Gurley doesn't process till the following week. So he doesn't lose out and I don't lose out, but at the end of the day, I just threw it all together. And I was like, I don't really want to do that. I was like, I'd rather just keep all my players this week and (laughs) transition it into the following. You know what I'm saying?
0: Um, can't fault you there. You got the better yeah. side in terms and, of players and timing.
1: And I knew, I knew the timing was perfect. Kind of when I went into this, um, re- I honestly, quite honestly did not expect the trade to go through because I was asking for Tyreek Hill and cooks and everybody knows in this league, how Kyron gets with the trades. He's not a very, he's kind of like JC in a way, you know, they don't trade very often. And when they do, it's, it's kind of surprising. So I kind of went into this and we had talked for probably like two hours. It was just back and forth, just throwing names around, figuring out what can be done. And he asked me for Jamal Williams. And I told him, I was like, if I put Jamal Williams out, cause bell was earlier in negotiations with this trade. Um, I told him, I was like, if I put Williams and I can't put bell in and kind of made some adjustments here and you know, Josh Reynolds, I picked up off the waiver and I used him for that reason to put into a trade to trade away with somebody else. Uh, Marvin Jones Jr., I got from Keegan. And surprisingly, Marvin Jones Jr. has had two two to three, I think, really good weeks back to back to back. I think he's had, he's been averaging, I think, about 15, 16 points for the past few weeks. Um, obviously, that doesn't justify the trade at the time because this was before he had that. Um, but yeah, um, it was just a move that I felt like Kyron felt like he needed to make with Cooks on a buy. Uh, but all that kind of got washed away when he told me he was willing to eat the buy and then take early the following week. So,
0: yeah, it is what it is. Um, yeah. I think it was Ty- Kyron was in a position where he wasn't gonna win a trade that he made with anybody yeah. based on his record standing. Mm-hmm. But I will say, I think you know Sean has been talking about we should get a championship belt for the winner of the league. I think that we should get a title belt for you. Eddie for getting JC to agree to a trade. And then also for holding a conversation with Kyron for two hours straight. <laughs> and then also getting him to agree with the trade, because those are yeah. three pretty much near impossible things to do. Getting yeah. JC to agree to a trade, getting Kyron to agree to a trade and actually holding a conversation with Kyron. So yeah. props to you for all three of those things. Appreciate that. I knew I'd realistically, I knew that if I wanted to make moves, those are two of the guys that I needed
1: to make moves with. At the end of the day, even though they don't make moves, I was like, if I'm going to do something, I was like, I want to do something with both of them. And it worked out. So
0: that brings us to our next big trade of the week. Keegan giving up DK Metcalf and Travis Fulgham. Scott gives up Tyler Lockett, Randall Cobb and Joshua Kelly. Mike, I'll let you lead us off here with your thoughts on this trade.
2: I don't know what Keegan was thinking. (laughs) I have no idea. Okay. Yes, Tyler Lockett right now is number one in terms of, you know, fantasy wide receivers. But DK Metcalf is not that far. And he's been way more consistent. And the fact that, you know, Scott also got Travis Fulgram, who seems right now that it's – that's Carson's guy. I mean, he's he's been productive I, ever since that – what was the game winner right before the Eagles played the Steelers? Was it the Niners? And ever since then, I, he – Fulgham's just been really consistent wide receiver mm-hmm. that can be a plug and play every week and giving, getting DK Metcalf as well. I guess losing the big boom of Lockett was, I guess, I don't want to say a loss because you just got DK Metcalf and Travis Fulgram. Yeah. So I, I personally think Scott blew away with this trade. I don't know where Fulgham's numbers have been in the past five weeks but I'm assuming he's been a top 10 fantasy wideout. plus getting yeah. DK Metcalf. I mean,
1: yeah, so. I think, uh, I think along I, I can kind of see where Keegan was coming from in this trade. Sure. Personally. Sure. Um, cause honestly, Tyler Lockett, DK Metcalf, both big names, you know, big players, big time players in that offense, obviously DK, a little more consistent Tyler Lockett's more of an explosive weak kind of guy. Um, but I think to to Keegan, you know, I think that part of the trade was a wash. I think he thinks that the Travis Fulgham and Randall Cobb part of the trade. You know, I think Fulgham, I think he knew Fulgham was a little bit a better of the player, but I think he still considered that. And I think what made the difference for him was adding Joshua Kelly. I think that, that, that portion of Kelly coming on, I think is what made it for him. I think that he could have gotten more for kind of what he gave and what he did there. Um, you know, and that's something you learn from obviously Keegan, if you're listening to this right now, you know, you obviously learn from everything that you do every week. If you make moves, you know, you learn what you did wrong. you learn what you did. Right. And I think in a situation like this, you know, looking at the statistics and I've said this before in the past couple podcasts that we've done, I'm a very big fan of Travis Fulgham. I hate the Eagles, but this kid can play and he's good. Um, you know, I, I particularly wouldn't have made this trade. Um, but I can see where Keegan was coming from. You know, he wanted a little bit more depth. He got back two wide receivers and a running back. Um, yeah. So.
2: And, Nate, real quick before you go. I mean, like sure. I said, Keegan, Keegan, I, I don't want to say that you made, like, any wrong moves. I see in your perspective, I mean, Joshua Kelly, with
0: mm-hmm.
2: you in a win-now situation and Eckler's not there and you're basically banking on, is it a Kelly day or a Justin Jackson day and you need yeah. to do a win now? I, I totally understand that. And getting Tyler Lockett back out of it was nice. But now you just made – I don't want to say you just made, but now we have second seed with Fulgham and DK Metcalf. So that I got to play against. Mm. So thanks, Keegan. (laughs) Yeah,
0: Yeah, and I will just chime in and not echo too much of what you guys said. I agree that Scott got the better end, but kind of throwing it back to the last year, I'll explain for Scott and Jake who are new to the league this year, I was kind of playing up this narrative of, I was trying to build this super team through trading all of last season. And because the last Avengers movie was coming out during the last season, I was kind of building it up that my team was Thanos collecting all of the, the infinity stones and that I was inevitable. And, uh, to plug that into this deal, I kind of saw this as Scott just collecting another, infinity stone for his team because they're they're an absolute gauntlet that pretty much has no holes in it in the lineup and that of course was until miles gaskin got hurt nick kind of texted me and said not not in a way that was um he was looking forward to scott's downfall but just like as a, like pointing it out like finally there's a blow or there's a hole in scott's lineup yeah. with miles gaskin being out and that's exactly how i looked at this deal is this was before miles gaskin got hurt i was kind of looking at What his lineup would be with DK Metcalf and Travis Fulgham coming in. And I thought to myself, geez, he has absolutely no holes with Mm -hmm. Russell Wilson and Deshaun Watson. That's probably the best, if not one of the best quarterback pairings in the league. He had Jonathan Taylor and Miles Gaskin, certainly not the best, but not even close to a weak backfield. He had Julio Jones, Stephon Diggs, DK Metcalf and Travis Fulgham as his two wide receivers, two flexes. He, of course, got Darren Waller from Keegan the week earlier, who is now probably the number two tight end in fantasy with Kittle out for the season. And then, of course, he has the Indianapolis Colts defense, who's number one, and the Atlanta Falcons kicker, who's number one. So he didn't have a single hole in his lineup after making this trade until, of course, Miles Gaskin got ruled out. So I kind of viewed this as Thanos collecting all of the stones for his glove. So I think Scott's team is definitely the team to, to beat when his lineup is at full health and full strength. Any concluding thoughts guys? Yeah, I agree. I'm gonna Perfect. You, Scott. <laughs> so the next one we have is me giving up John Brown and Boston, Scott Lucas, giving up David Montgomery. I will toss it back to you guys for your thoughts.
1: I think, uh, I think this was a pretty good one. It's a good way to flip Scott. You know, he had a pretty good week, um, with you, uh, you know, he didn't have, I guess, necessarily the impact that you needed, but he had enough of an impact for somebody else to notice and throw him in there. Um, and then with John Brown, you know, I think it's it's just either or with him. But pulling in David Montgomery from that, from Boston Scott, and with John Brown, I think I think you get the better end of this deal. Um, but, yeah.
2: Yeah, I mean, I think acquiring Montgomery gives you the depth you need now while you have Chubb out, Eckler out. Um, we'll see if the Bears can turn it around with Nick Foles, but overall, I mean, you definitely got the bigger name. So,
0: Yeah, and I was just looking for a little bit of permanent running back depth in getting Montgomery. Um, Lucas actually has a surprising amount of running back depth. He has, of course, we know David Johnson, Antonio Gibson, David Montgomery, Ronald Jones, and so I was kind of leveling with him saying who do you think is your least impactful running back i'm looking to give you your handcuff to what i would perceive to be as number one running back when healthy and miles sanders boston scott so i kind of said like from that angle you want to definitely lock up the backfield that would be that i would perceive to be your most valuable and then i asked him if he was looking for wide receiver help and that kind of naturally lent itself to john brown being included in the deal as well so that's kind of how we arrived there i think At the time, it made sense for both of us, but nothing huge in terms of future implications. So that'll put us on to another trade that I made, and this one was with Michael. Michael gave up Kareem Hunt, and I gave him Clyde Edwards-Alaire and Sterling Shepard. Eddie, I'll actually let you lead us off with your reaction to this trade. Originally,
1: you know, kind of looking at this trade, uh, I didn't think anything of it. I think if this trade was made two weeks ago, think it's 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 an across the board even trade you know but looking at looking at it now and at the time that it was made you know I I think you got a little bit of a better end of this deal considering you know obviously Chubb's not going to come back for a little while so Kareem Hunt is still going to reap those benefits of being the only back there um, and get you those points that you need for the next few weeks and then it just gets even worse once you get Chubb back because then you have Hunt and Chubb and then you, you can obviously use Hunt as a token to move, to do something with, if you wanted to go along those lines. Um, kind of like we mentioned earlier, Clyde has had kind of a, do- a downfall from that point. You know, um, his totals have gone down, his touches have gone down. And I think you're, you're kind of seeing Clyde relax for the year. I think the first five, six weeks for Clyde were, you know, something for him. You know, he was excited in the league. They were incorporating him into that office. I mean, offense, but realistically, when you look at it, Clyde, it's, it's a good piece to have, but when you look at all the, all the, all the weapons that Kansas city has, it's just, it makes it hard for Clyde to consistently keep putting up those numbers that he was putting up before. Um, and you know, Sterling Shepard with that giants offense, extremely inconsistent, that giants offense, you know, Sterling Shepard will consistently get two, three catches a game, sometimes more, um. But from my end, I think overall, considering Kareem Hunt running back, you know, coming out of the backfield, catching, I think you got a little bit of of the better end of that deal.
0: Mike, I'll actually toss it to you to kind of give your counter thoughts to that.
2: Yeah. And I'm looking at the list right now of all the trades and I am going to say and I will fully say right now, I don't expect my team to win, you know, the whole league. I made these three trades so I can win this week, Yeah, all three of these next trades. But kind of going from there, um, you know, Kareem Hunt is definitely a stud. Uh, I think with taking Chubb out, you know, he's definitely a top 8, 10-ish running back. But at the same point in time, I, Eddie, you said that Clyde's numbers are going down. Yes, they are but I think it's just because they have no real big need to just like you, what was the first game they played? The chiefs. Was it the, um, what's the Patriots? Who was it? Houston where, you know, they, they wanted to run the ball to uh, take down the clock because Watson can win the game mm-hmm. at any point in time. But at the same point, I still believe that Clyde Edwards-Hilaire has production down the road, down the stretch. You know, the Chiefs don't, especially coming from Andy Reid, they don't take running backs in the first round. And I think they viewpoint him. I know Andy Reid viewpoint him as Brian Westbrook. And the Chiefs haven't had a running back like this since Jamal Charles. I think that they're trying to implement Bell, and they don't really know what to do right now with that. But I think you can definitely see that they want to implement edwards alaire and I think you know him being on the better offense. I think he has more, you know, potential than I guess Cream Hunt. Mm-hmm. I know Cream Hunt can be placed as a flex. Don't get me wrong. And the addition of Sterling Shepard, where you know he came back from the IR and he produced rather well last year, but I also had Hunt on a bye week. And I needed a running back that had the same sort of potential. And that's why it's kind of piggybacking off of our trade with Will Fuller, Tyler Boyd. So yes, initially I think Nate definitely won it, but I definitely don't think that it's not that much of a difference. Yeah. In my personal opinion.
1: No. Yeah. Um, And, and again, I'm, that's why I'm not saying it was a blowout or anything like that. I think, you, you know, you both got something that you needed and, if Nate won that trade, kind of like how I said it, it wasn't by a very big margin. And, you know, one thing that I've really noticed with Clyde is the big games and the big teams that they play, he has over 20 carries. When they yeah. play teams that are not as great and they know that they can rely on some of their other weapons, he has less carries. You know, like if you look at, at these games, you know, Houston coming into the year, you know, was made out to be a pretty good team. You know what I'm saying? Like with Deshaun Watson. And that team, he had 25 carries that game. Baltimore game, right. great team, 20 carries that game. Buffalo, another great team, 26 carries. And now if you look at everything in between, you know, the Chargers, yes, they're good, but they're not necessarily going to have to run the ball 20 times to win the game against the Chargers. 10 carries. New England, 16. Las Vegas, 10. Um, and then with Denver and the Jets, 8 and 6. I think they're they're managing his workload to kind of be smart with it, depending on the matchup. So, you know, I, I think you there is a possibility that Clyde does work out really well for you, and he continues to produce what he was doing before. Um, but again, at the, at the immediate time and kind of the time being right now, that's why I had said I think Nate got a little bit of the better
2: side of that. So, yeah, just one yeah. quick note, Nate, real quick. I also think that with the Denver, with Denver and the Jets having to play catch up in the time of possession, mm-hmm. I think that also took away some carries from Aritz Zolaire. But yeah. we'll see.
0: Yeah. Um, a big reason why I made this deal, uh, bigger than the natural fit of me owning Nick Chubb and naturally looking to get Kareem Hunt, was my uncertainty of the Chiefs' backfield. You guys hit on a lot of why I feel that way. Um, just based on the last two games. The touches obviously have not been there for Clyde as they have been in games past before Lev Bell signed with the chiefs, which again, you guys mentioned the split workload between them Um, and Sterling Shepard. While I was hesitant to include him because I know that Clyde still has a lot of upside, like he's a top 10 running back on the year so far. So he's obviously already proven to have that kind of upside. So looking at those numbers, it was hard for me to also include Sterling Shepard in that trade, but I, in the end, kind of went with my gut about what it's going to look like over the next few weeks and including even up to the rest of the season, where even with Nick Chubb returning from injury and him starting to split some work with uh, Kareem Hunt, I think that Kareem Hunt's upside is still going to top out at what the actual production is for Clyde Edwards-Alaire with Kansas City, only because... Again, I think Clyde is a great player. He's a lot of fun to watch. But I think that they just have so many options in Kansas City that he is going to become touchdown dependent for him to have a pretty good game just because the ball is being spread so much. And there's just so many other scorers on that team that that makes me a little bit too nervous. I will say that I think Sterling Shepard is a really good wide receiver. I think I saw today that Matthew Berry called him a, wide, a top 25 wide receiver for the Mm -hmm. rest of the season moving forward. So Michael definitely picked up a really good flex one option, if not a wide receiver two in that trade and kind of took a gamble on Clyde's upside, even with Lev Bell in Kansas city. So I think you can easily justify the trade from both sides. I like cream's cream hunts upside for my own team more rest of season. um, But it wasn't necessarily a bang bang trade for me to make. Saying, oh, of course I'll do that deal. It was yeah. just a kind of not a tough decision for me to make in the moment, but a pill that I needed to swallow to bring home Kareem Hunt. Any Nate, if you want to any... bring
2: up any breaking news with that most recent trade.
0: Oh, I will, but we'll add that at the end. Yeah, we'll add that at the end. Yeah, idea. we're we're gonna go ahead and keep it going in sequential yeah. order here. So the next deal we have is another relatively big deal, not necessarily in terms of names, but in terms of quantity. Scott gives up Jonathan Taylor, Naheem Hines, and Jonu Smith, while Michael gave up Melvin Gordon, J.K. Dobbins, and Scotty Miller. I'll go ahead and jump in and offer my thoughts on this. I think that Scott took another risk here getting Melvin Gordon, J.K. Dobbins in return, but I don't think that it was an unwise risk. Um, seeing JK Dobbins become the first running back to put up over hundred rushing yards on the Pittsburgh Steelers this past week, I think speaks to his upside, especially when Mark Ingram is absent the backfield of Baltimore. So I don't necessarily know if I would have traded for JK Dobbins, but I did like the play on him that Scott made. And of course he got Melvin Gordon back too. So it's not like he was only putting all of his eggs into the JK Dobbins basket. But then on the flip side, I didn't mind Michael's side of the trade either. I personally like Johnny Smith a lot. I would actually rate him, not necessarily his production so far in the season, but in terms of how I value tight ends moving forward, I would rate him as the fifth-ranking tight end in my own personal rankings. So I like that grab by Michael. And I also think that Jonathan Taylor has a lot of upside to offer when he's fully healthy too. So I really like the move from both angles of this trade. Eddie, you can go ahead and jump in.
1: Yeah, um, I agree. I, I think I like both ends. I think uh, Scotty Miller as a part of this trade is kind of a wash, obviously, with him being on the waiver right now. Um, at the time, I think it w- it was it was a nice addition to the trade um, because statistically, Scotty Miller was the most targeted wide receiver in Tampa for uh, Tom Brady. Um, so I think it, it was a pretty good add for receptions and everything. But, you know, you getting Jonathan Taylor, Naheem Hines, you know, JT's out right now, um, or questionable. So you have Hines kind of behind him just in case if any, anything like that happens. Um, and then Melvin Gordon, I think, you know, that it's a little bit of a risk to take there with, with Scott because of Philip Lindsay kind of holding up his own in that backfield. You know, I'm not saying that Philip Lindsay is great or anything because I, I still think that Melvin Gordon is a better back, um, But just splitting between the two right there is is a little tough. And then taking the chance with J.K. Dobbins um, is another one that, you know, I I was kind of iffy about. But overall, I think it was a good trade for both of you.
0: Yeah, I agree. Michael, do you want to give your input on what your thought process was?
2: Yeah, this is definitely a bittersweet trade for me. No question about it. Um, You all know I'm a Buckeye fan. Love J.K. Dobbins, And I think this week, especially against Steelers, we finally got to see, you know, that possible potential that he has. But in terms of, can he do that again? I don't know. And then Melvin Gordon, I'm just pissed because I traded for him whenever I had Julio and Julio was, you know, not Julio. And now has became Julio again. <laughs> so... It's a bittersweet moment because now I don't have to worry so much about, you know, is Melvin Gordon getting suspended? Can J.K. Dobbins do this again? Where Jonathan Taylor has been, you know, not a top 10 fantasy running back, but he's been fairly consistent. Mm -hmm. And the fact that, you know, he might be out and Niamh Hines had over 20 points last week. You know, that's a... In my opinion, a good situation to have. And it is yes. against Baltimore's defense, don't get me wrong, but it is a good situation to have. Yep. Johnny Smith, especially with the rise of Gronk, I will say that I was, when I did see Kittle was out, and I knew that Nick needed a tight end, he was a potential suitor to maybe move one of the two. But even if something doesn't happen, which I don't foresee anything happen, Having Gronk and John and Smith as your two tight ends, that's also not a bad situation. Yeah, it's not a life.
1: bad place to be in at all.
2: No. So in terms of value, I think it works on both ends. So hopefully it doesn't bite me that I gave Gordon away to Scott where now Gaskin's out. But we'll see. And hopefully J.K. Dobbins, as much as I love my Buckeyes, he doesn't have a big game either. So,
0: Yeah, good thoughts. Next trade that we have is a one for one. Jake gave up Devin Singletary, Mike gave up Kenyon Drake. So Mike, you've been pretty active in the trade market this week. I will toss it right back to you uh getting your angle on why you why you value Devin Singletary over Kenyon Drake.
2: I it's not that I value him over Drake. I think Drake is definitely uh the better running back in terms of just talent and especially with that offense. But I've been, I've had a few people get a hold of me about Drake. Nate, I've had you talk to me about Drake and saying that you don't even know how you feel about him. I don't think anybody knows how to feel about him because even when he was healthy, his numbers compared to last year were not the same, but the volume was still matching. I think he wasn't getting many catches this year as well. And you keep hearing saying that Chase Edmonds, Chase Edmonds is working on his way to be in running back one. Well, Drake was still getting his 15 plus carries. So, but at the same point, me being in a must now win situation and getting Devin Singletary, who isn't a sexy running back, but he's still in that top 25 range area. Yeah. So I think for me to get a win now and having a potential depth and running back i saw singletary as okay i can work with that because jake came to me first Kenyon drake for aj green i'm like well that doesn't help me out aj green's on a buy drake's on a buy and aj green is just not who he was so why not try to get something out of it Mm -hmm. now while i can so that's where i saw it yeah
1: i agree i think uh I think this is a pretty good move for you, you know, kind of dumping off Kenyon Drake, who is a is a pretty big question mark, I think, for a lot of people in the league, especially for me. You know, I had looked at Kenyon Drake on your lineup, and I thought about it a few times, you know, offering um, a couple players and just looking, you know, hoping for him to return and come back. But Edmonds has been so strong at that position with Drake being out. I was like, I just don't see Kenyon Drake's performance being the same when he does come back. Um, right. Right. So I think that was, that's a good deal for you. You, know, you, you brought in Devin Singletary, who's going to get you points when you need him. So.
0: Yeah, I didn't mind the trade at all. Uh, you're in a situation, like you said, where you need to win now, and injured players don't help you do that. So I understood the move. Moving on, we have another really big trade, um, maybe even the biggest mm-hmm. one of the week. Damon gave up Aaron Rodgers, Michael Thomas, and Brandon Ayuk, and Jake gave up, in return, Matt Ryan, Calvin Ridley, and Chase Edmonds. I will lead off and say that I think Jake got the better end of this. I think he, no question, got the better quarterback. I also, even though I know Calvin Ridley has been really good this year, and I know Michael Thomas hasn't played but if Michael Thomas returns to the field, I think that I would instantly from day one take Michael Thomas over Calvin Ridley. Um, I would give the edge until Kenyon Drake gets back to Chase Edmonds over Brandon Ayuk. So I think Damon got the better edge there. But in terms of the top two for two, I think that Jake got the better end getting Aaron Rodgers and Michael Thomas. Uh, what are your guys' thoughts on that? Um, go ahead,
2: go ahead.
0: I think I agree there.
1: Um, I think the quarterback situation is pretty obvious. Um, you know, Michael Thomas being hurt and Calvin Ridley now. You know, he's I think he came in questionable into the week, um, and I'm not sure if he's actually going to play this week because of a of a foot injury. Yeah, he didn't even practice today. Um, it kind of sucks for him, but at the same time, you know, Michael Thomas, Calvin Ridley. That's kind of a wash because both of them are injured right now and most likely won't play this week. Um and then on the end of Brandon Ayuk and Chase Edmonds, you know, I think Damon won kind of that section of the trade. Um, you know, Chase Edmonds is gonna make the most impact right away, um, outside of Ayuk.
2: Um, yeah, I mean I don't know if Damon saw that the Falcons were starting to get a lot better. Um, I don't know if that's why he took in Matt Ryan and Calvin Ridley. But I think now with Julio starting to produce again, you know, does this hurt Calvin Ridley's future potential and especially him getting hurt. Uh, Jake getting Aaron Rodgers was big. No question about mm-hmm. it. You know, he's – Herbert's been well. He's been producing. But now paired with Aaron Rodgers, especially with him having Dak Prescott getting hurt, now you have a better quarterback over Dak. Uh, you know that definitely helps out Michael Thomas if he does come back I mean it's not a whole lot of argument who can be the best fantasy wide receiver so and yeah. especially now with the 49ers with everybody getting hurt Iuk's potential just skyrocketed mm-hmm. so that definitely helps out Jake for sure
0: yeah in agreement there the next one is uh actually it's not a big trade, but it's one I've been looking forward to all episode. It is about Nick damn Time. Nick gives up <laughs> Philip Lindsay and Kendrick Bourne. Scott gives JK Dobbins and Austin Hooper. And I'm actually going to exempt myself from offering my input on this trade. But what I did do was about 30 minutes before we started recording the episode, I wrote a little poem about Philip Lindsay. So I'm gonna go ahead and share. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> Philip Lindsay perennial fringy flex Oh how your name has worn us down even more than the president elects from verbal highlight reels to weekly trade offers. Your value was often a point of contention. Even so the man who swore by you set the lineup. You'd never enter in the end. You served your purpose being used as a pawn to shop because Nick's work finally paid off sending you packing so he could squeeze the last drop. That's it.
1: That was beautiful.
0: Thank you. That was, that was nice. I think it was and, a long time coming for Nick to get Philip Lindsay off of his team. He could not <laughs> wait to send him packing. Go ahead, boys.
1: I completely agree 100%. Um, you know, I think Nick's been trying to shop Philip Lindsay for probably about like five or six weeks now. Um, and nobody was biting. Nobody was biting. And he finally, finally got him off of his team. I'll tell you what, he played his cards right at the end of the day. Um, he, he marketed him very well. He marketed him in the group chat. He made sure that everyone knew when he ran for 15 plus yards per play. Um, and he kind of brought that attention to Philip Lindsay. So, you know, it, he did what he had to do and he flipped them. But to me, I think this trade, you know, I, I think Nick ends up winning this trade with the upside of J.K. Dobbins and obviously you know Austin Hooper um, in Cleveland with Odell not being there and them having that option there to give it to him. So,
2: it's Mike, about done time, Nick. Yeah. <laughs> that that's uh, all your thoughts. A... No, 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 no. Okay, no. go ahead. <laughs> uh, no, I mean, as a former owner, of Melvin Gordon, trust me, it was. If it wasn't every week it was every other week that I was getting an offer for Philip Lindsay. And yes, I don't think he's a bum, but there was just real no like big need for me to acquire him at the time of being. So congratulations, Nick, you finally moved Philip Lindsay. And in the long run, I think this could potentially help you, especially with Kittle being out. I know Hooper's been battling through injuries, but if Hooper can give you some production out of it, good job. And excuse me from earlier, I forgot that Scott traded J.K. Dobbins when I said, hopefully he doesn't beat me this week. Mm-hmm. So congratulations, okay. you got my boy.
0: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, getting close to the end of the trades here, Damon gave up Jarek McKinnon. Jake gave up Kenyon Drake. And I was told today after this trade happened by Damon, that this was actually just part two of their first trade, including Chase Edmonds, and that Jake just didn't have access to trade Kenyon Drake at the time that they agreed to the first deal. Um, And it makes sense as a continuation of the first one because Damon owned Chase Edmonds, of course. Jake owned Jermichael Hasty, And so they were basically grouping each other's running backs up Jake getting the 49ers backfield, Damon getting the Cardinals backfield. So I didn't really think much of this. I thought it was just made sense to complete the trade.
1: Yeah, I agree. Nothing too crazy here.
2: I just, uh, me, I think it's which uh, tandem works better, McKinnon and Hasty or Edmonds and Drake. So time will see.
0: Yeah, I I would give the edge to the Arizona backfield myself. Yeah, Agreed, Yeah. yeah. But you know, it could never know. Yeah. Yeah. Right. It could shake out differently than I expected to Mm -hmm. given some shine to the man who never makes an appearance on this podcast because of his (laughs) inability to make a trade up until today, JC coming in with not just a little squeaker trade. It was actually a pretty big move. JC gave up Josh Jacobs and Marquise Hollywood Brown and in return received from Eddie Keenan Allen and Le'Veon Bell. I will say that this is a very close trade and when Eddie told me how long it took to negotiate this deal which I think you said was what around 4 hours it was, it was a few hours yeah it didn't surprise me in the slightest that this deal is almost dead split even and yet still somehow took half of a day to negotiate <laughs> with JC um yeah. in the end I think Jacobs and Keenan Allen are equally valuable in their own rights. I know they're different positions, but I think they're about equally in, equal in value as players. And so the way that I kind of analyze this deal is who would I rather have between Le'Veon Bell and Hollywood Brown? Me personally, I would rather have Hollywood Brown. Not that they're totally different in their production on the season yet. I just think that Hollywood Brown is more likely – to capitalize on his upside than Le'Veon Bell is because he is on, he's one of the only weapons, um, of course, I'm talking outside of the quarterback, Lamar Jackson, in Baltimore's offense, whereas Le'Veon Bell is just one option of many in Kansas City, like we've already talked about this episode. Tyreek Hill, Travis Kelsey, Clyde Edwards-Alaire, even some of the secondary wide receivers, Sammy Watkins, Demarcus Robinson, Mecole Hardman, Le'Veon Bell is one of many, whereas Hollywood Brown is one of few. So I think I would give the edge to the side that Eddie received in this deal simply because I would rather have Hollywood Brown. Mike, what are your thoughts?
2: Um, Well, I I contacted Eddie, what, what was it, yesterday or the day before, mm-hmm. about Le'Veon Bell. It was Gronk for Bell straight up. And I, not even 30 seconds after that, I was like, no, I can't do that. Yeah, Because the thing is, is yes, I did have Edwards-Alaire, but Gronk's definitely been producing well and having an advantage at tight end, especially in a bigger league that we have, is nice to have. And I just don't know with on Bell. I have no idea. I was more comfortable getting Edwards-Alaire because I think why waste a first-round pick on a running back? But I have no idea what's going on with Bell. I don't know if they're the initial reports where he was going to catch it passes out of the slot. We haven't really seen that. Yeah. He's getting a few carries and picking up some yards while he's doing it. But at the same point, getting Josh Jacobs back who I think in the past two years has been a consistent top 10 fantasy running back and the uncertainty of having Aaron Jones out potentially and being able to replace that would, Josh Jacobs, it's not a bad situation to have. So yeah, that's my viewpoint.
1: Okay. Um, I guess with me, there were about three different variations of this trade and a bunch of different negotiations. Originally, it started with me asking him about Josh Jacobs because he had come to me prior to that, and I'm pretty sure he came to a few people in the league about wanting to move Josh Jacobs. I think it was pretty well known that he was looking to move Josh. Um, and I was like, you know what? <laughs> I got to shoot my shot here and try to get Josh, you know, I know I'm going to have to give up a weapon here, Um, but, you know, let's see kind of how this goes. Um, And, you know, I had originally offered him Josh Jacobs for bell and Beasley straight up, not even with Hollywood Brown, you know, and he he told me he wants a number one running back. And I said, well, I mean, wide receiver. And I told him, well, realistically, you got to look at your lineup here. Um, Beasley in your lineup is a number one. Obviously not in my lineup and not in a lot of lineups in the league, but I told him, you know, for your lineup, he is a number one for you. Um, You know, and and I obviously started at that position because I knew I had a little more that I can give and I didn't want to, I didn't want to start at the top and then have to go from there. Um, So we kind of worked it around and I, there was a, there was an option where I threw, Tyreek Hill for Josh Jacobs. Um, and I don't think he felt comfortable with that deal. I didn't feel comfortable personally with that deal. Cause I feel like he would have been winning that deal, um, with a Tyreek Hill and Josh Jacobs. And now that I look back at it, I'm excited that he didn't accept that. Um, and kind of looking at it, I was like, you know, Hollywood Brown, not a horrible piece to add. Cause he wanted to throw him in there. Um, and I said, I'll keep Tyreek. And, you know, I, I think I feel, I felt more comfortable getting rid of Keenan Allen than I did of getting rid of Tyreek Hill, if that makes sense. Um, and obviously their production Tyreek Hill production has been better than Keenan Allen's this year, but Keenan Allen also missed some games. So, you know, there's, there's a little bit of a gray area there, but either way, um, I think it was a wash of a trade. I think we both got things that we needed realistically, um, we were going through the trade and I had originally told him that I think Le'Veon has a little bit better of an upside looking at it realistically, you know, with the weapons that Kansas city has and with what um, the Ravens have in the, in the long run, you know, I can see Brown having a higher upside or a bigger, a bigger game uh, on a week to week basis. So, but yeah, I like this trade. I, I got something that I needed. He got a wide receiver cause he, he had uh, uh, T. Higgins on by. He was missing a wide receiver in his spot, gives him a running back that has the potential of possibly having a, a pretty good game. Um, so, yeah.
0: Yep. The last, finally, the last trade of the week actually happened while we were recording this. You might have heard Michael say earlier, Nate, do you have anything to announce? Mm-hmm. He was talking about this trade that was just uh, made and accepted between me and Kyron which is Kyron giving up Gardner Minshew the second and Zach Moss. And I gave up Tua Tagovailoa, Damon Harris, and James White. I think this trade is a little bit too fresh for me to comment. So I'll just mm-hmm. kind of get your guys' initial thoughts. Um,
1: you know, I think obviously you got a, a little bit of a better end on this side. Um, the only thing that's questionable here is obviously Gardner Minshew since he was injured he's not playing this week and you know who knows what it's going to look like in the weeks coming after that um Zach Moss has kind of come up as Buffalo's number one running back right now with you know Singletary not performing as well Zach Moss has performed very well the past two weeks so I think you know you're getting Zach Moss at at a pretty good time right now um and then Tua had a disappointing week last week I think there's a lot of upside in the Tua uh area but realistically you know you know when is that going to happen and it, is it going to happen um and then the combination of damien harris and james white that new england backfield has been a mess all year um you know they've got three running backs right now and sony michelle who's not even playing right now possibly four so you know i know that you tried to offer me this combo last week i think and i shut that down pretty quick but um yeah, I, it's not something that, you know, I'm going to react and say, wow, this is such a bad trade. I think it works out for both of you, and it fills certain positions and spots that, you know, you can use to flip for another deal. And Kyron can try to get something going this week. But
0: Mike?
2: Um, yeah, coming from somebody who has gotten an offer from you, Nate, with James White, Damon Harris, especially Tua. I personally think that Kyron actually kind of snagged this one. Um, to uh, like you mentioned when we were talking a couple of days ago, as much as I'm not a huge fan of him this year in terms of fantasy production, to or Minshew looks like he's on his way to the bench, and Damian Harris, like you mentioned, has performed very well as of late. And James White, no, he hasn't had the same James White season. You know, granted, probably because of Tom Brady, you know, not being in New England. But in terms of quarterback for quarterback, why, you know, take the starting quarterback for sure, where Tua is definitely the guy at the moment where Minshew might be benched. Now, does this help Kyron out down the road? Who knows? But I think Kyron's slight excuse me, slightly won this. Zach Moss has definitely produced well, Mm -hmm. but I don't know. I got to give it to Kyron on this one.
0: Yeah, and I'll start off by saying I put a lot of eggs in the basket that Minshew would return at some point this year and return as the starter. I have no idea why Doug Marone insists upon saying that Gardner Minshew might get benched because – You look at his fantasy production, which I know fantasy doesn't translate to real life one-to-one, but I think it does say something about how the quarterback is playing. He's averaging 18.8 points per game, and he played in all of the games up until this past week when they went on by, which was when they came out and said that he was injured. He hasn't played bad. Mm -hmm. I don't understand why the head coach is putting the blame on him. I think that's just a very poorly run organization. Yeah. And I will say, I agree. yeah, I was going to say, I'll say part of me made this trade because I'm scared to find out that Tua isn't good this coming week. And, at, <laughs> and then at that point, he would just have absolutely no value because people after two really bad games aren't even going to speculate on his upside. They're just going to say, yeah, Tua stinks. So part of me was scared and that might end up, aging this trade very poorly for me if Tua does have have a good game and it turns out that his first start was just a bump in the road in the you know in the narrative of a very good rookie season for Tua Tagovailoa but I don't know I was kind of thinking that Kyron would be a good trade partner for quarterbacks because both of his quarterbacks are not Likely to play this week, mm-hmm. and of course his team might get locked after this week. So I was kind of running on short time, and also playing off of the emotion of being a little bit nervous to see what Tua is going to do this week. So it's a risk for me for sure. I'm not yeah. exactly sure how it's going to play out.
1: And I honestly, I don't think it's. How uh, do I don't want to put this? I think you're in a scenario right now where the the waiver wire for quarterbacks there's a couple quarterbacks out there that aren't looking too horrible. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. Um, And I think you're in a position Mm -hmm. that you can use that to your advantage. And I know that you're already possibly thinking of 6,000 things in your mind right now. Um, So that's just how Nate is. He'll make a move. And I have no doubt in my mind that this move probably has another move coming eventually, but, um, but yeah.
0: I nothing think. nothing uh premeditated but i'm yeah, sure yeah. that i'm anytime i bring somebody into my team i then start thinking about them how can you flip it in the car con- yeah, in the yeah, context yeah. of how do these guys fit into the overall trade value of my mm-hmm. team and what can i and i think new opportunities are they open for me i think
1: that that's a big thing that i've done all year also so i've brought people in and i've thought about okay how can i flip you and I think just as a, as a, as a manager, I think if you have that skill, you'll be in a pretty good spot. If you can bring people in at a good time, flip them for more and get something back. You know, I think there's certain people in this league that I think are very good at doing that or have gotten better at it. So advice to everyone else out in the league, you know, it's all about timing. It's always about timing. Um, and I think, I think your timing is, might be okay here i think it all just really depends
0: yeah but. i think this i think the way that this trade ages is going to depend on the the information that comes out about Minshew because yep. there's a lot of unknown with him right now they don't even have mm. they haven't even released a timetable for him to come back yet which yep. it's yeah, kind of it's presents a risk it. for me so we'll yeah. but there's again a risk with damon harris and tagavaloa with harris has been good the last couple weeks but i think that that's just it's too shaky to roll them out as a, as an every week starter yeah. so far, but we'll see. Yeah. That's give that one time to marinate. Mm-hmm. It was a long segment. Um, and we're not long. necessarily, we're not necessarily done with talk and trade. We have one more segment related to it, which is trade of the week. I'm going to jump in because I kind of went a little off the script with this breaking my own rules a little bit. So typically I would pick a trade that we've already discussed this episode, but because I was so wrong I'm actually going to say the trade of the week, which did happen in the last week, was Eddie giving up Corey Davis and Leonard Fournette to Keegan for Todd Gurley and Marvin Jones Jr. I chose this as trade of the week, again, going a little bit off script because I was completely wrong about this deal and reacted too quickly in the moment. Um, And while all four of them are useful players, I think it's become very clear that the value of both Gurley and Marvin Jones Jr. are very touchdown dependent while I think Fournette has been given enough of a nod in the Tampa mm-hmm. Bay offense uh, based on the volume that he's seeing that you know he is a useful player on a weekly basis. And then Corey Davis in particular, I didn't realize this because I, Corey Davis was not on my radar at all before I mm-hmm. saw this trade go through. He's been a monster this season. Yeah. <laughs> after After people all but gave up on expecting a breakout – from Corey Davis these last few years um, he's quietly put together six, an average stat line of six receptions on eight targets for 74 yards and a touchdown in all five games that he's played this year. Yeah. So while I expected that Keegan could have gotten more at the time, for, God, for Todd Gurley, I do owe him an apology for overreacting based on the names and not looking mm-hmm. at the numbers closely enough before. And and one thing I want to add
1: to that, and I knew as soon as it went through, I knew the names is, is exactly what was going to cause that reaction. That's what I was waiting for. But I even told you guys in the podcast, if you go back and listen to it, Corey Davis is not bad at all. He's held up his own when he gets on the field and he puts up his numbers. You know what I'm saying? Um, so I knew Keegan was getting a good player within Corey Davis. You know, Fournette was a little bit questionable. He was trending on the up, obviously, but I think he's solidifying himself a little more within that backfield, more so than I thought. And that's why I had originally gotten rid of him because I didn't think he was going to have that solid of an impact in the backfield. Um, And then kind of on my end, Marvin Jones has had two really strong weeks. Um, And I think, again, I think Marvin Jones is kind of trending on the up and everything, but yeah.
0: What was your
1: trade of the week? Mine, I actually had uh, Scott's trade with Michael, with uh, Jonathan Taylor, Naeem Hines, John uh, Smith, and Melvin Gordon, uh, J.K. Dobbins, and Scotty Miller. Um, You know, I think both ends got the necessary pieces that they needed um, and kind of what they wanted to use. And I think they both used those pieces appropriately. Um, And I think Scott used some of those pieces to get additional things or try to move some things around um and michael fulfilled some areas that he kind of needed a little bit of help in so that was my trade of the week
0: mike what do you got
2: uh so immediate trade right now i have scott getting dk metcalf and travis fulgram because i definitely think like you mentioned before like thanos the gauntlet You know, getting DK Metcalf and then Fulgram to probably one the past five weeks two top ten fantasy wideouts. Um, Long term, potentially, I think Jake also with getting Aaron Rodgers, Michael Thomas, and Brandon Ayuk. Mm -hmm. Uh, If Michael Thomas comes back and he's still Michael Thomas, um, you can't really argue that at all. Yeah, it's a big one. And the yeah, and the fact that. The Niners are so low on weapons. Brandon Ayuk, he could be their offense, if you think about it. So I know there's been similarities with Diva Samuel in terms of how both of them play. So immediately, Scott with DK and full room. Time to see with Jake getting uh, Aaron Rodgers, Thomas, and Brandon
0: Ayuk. Yeah, good, good conclusion for uh, yeah. our trade of the week. Introducing a new segment, Waiver Wire Warriors. And this is a pretty simple one. We are just choosing two guys that we feel have been the biggest producers to come off of waivers over the past few weeks and to have produced like mainstays or even studs. So I will let Mike lead us off.
2: Um, I think the biggest name right now is Travis Fulgram. He was picked up, what, maybe, like, mid-October. Mm-hmm. And you've seen him be a part of three big trades. Now, in terms of who the players that were involved with the trades, um, I'm not too sure at the moment. But I do know that trade uh, Scott traded him twice. First time he traded him to, I believe it was, was it Keegan? And then he got him right back because I think Scott knows that Travis Holgram is no bum. You know, his numbers are there. I think he sees the potential Carson Wentz. And he's definitely been a stud, no question. I think he could be an every, every week starter, flex wide out two. Um, the other one, and this is kind of shaky because it could be almost considered a handcuff. But I think Gio Bernard, you can't argue what he's been doing lately. And with Joe Mixon, he's banged up at the moment. And I think even when Joe Mixon does come back, with Joe Burrow getting more comfortable with that Bengals offense and throwing the ball around like he is, and Giovanni Bernard having that, like, past history and current history of being able to catch passes out of the backfield, I think definitely Gio Bernard, it's – Nowhere close to a Nick Chubb and a Kareem Hunt situation. You could almost ca- count it as like a poor situation from that. But I definitely think Bernard can be, especially in a bigger league that we have a solid second flex play, maybe even top flex play. So those are my two guys.
1: Yeah. Can't argue with that. You know, those are, there's definitely two, two strong, two strong candidates for those positions. I want to give you a pat in the back here. Uh, Michael, with Rob Gronkowski picking him mm-hmm. up. Um, he's been averaging 15.6 points per week since you picked him up. Um, and for a tight end to be averaging 15.6 points per week, having you having them on your roster is a, it's a pretty good spot to be in. Um, I think Gronkowski has made an impact on your lineup as soon as you put him in, um, and I think it was just perfect timing with him. Um, and then the next one that I have and patting myself on the back here a little bit was cole beasley bringing him in uh, it was about four weeks ago is when i I actually brought him in um but he's averaged anywhere around i think he's averaging a little over 13 points a week you know having a couple games where he he went 22 last uh not last week the week before that um you know this past week was a little bit of a disappointment for him but i i kind of felt that coming and that's why i had started levy on over him you know i think he was gonna have a down week last week which he did um but yeah i think Cole Beasley for me for immediate production, I've used him in the flex every week since I brought him in, um, except for last week and he's made an impact. So
0: kind of expected, but you guys stole my thunder just a little bit. My, (laughs) my first pick for biggest producer off the waiver wire past couple weeks was Travis Fulgham. He has been wide receiver 25 on the, on the fantasy season. And he's been a top 25 wide receiver, despite playing in only five games this season. So that makes it even more impressive And he is averaging six receptions on nine targets for 87 yards and a touchdown in each game and also averaging 19.3 fantasy points per game. Um, To kind of give you an accurate picture of what he's done so far, he's had a floor of 12 points and a ceiling of 31. So his lowest point total in any one game has been 12. And he's reached all the way up to 31 points in a single game. And I think Michael actually mentioned it, but just a little fun fact since being claimed by Damon less than three weeks ago, Fulgham has been traded in our league three different times. So interesting note there for Travis Fulgham. My second pick, which is kind of funny. Eddie said he's given himself on a, a pat on the back. I'm going to slightly give myself a pat on the back, mostly because uh, I didn't see a whole lot of quality options. And my second pick was Derek Carr. So despite an underwhelming power ranking, Carr has brought about as much consistency as any One quarterback at the QB position and he has been averaging 263 passing yards with two touchdowns per game while adding 13 rushing yards on three carries per game which is not much but you know it's another point to be added to his average points per game which is 18.1 this fantasy season again his floor and his ceiling so far this year he's had a floor of around 13 points in a single game with a ceiling of about 24 points in a single game so he's been pretty consistent as well. And then I had one honorable mention, which I don't have any details to give, but I did want to give him a shout out, which was Rob Gronkowski. I agreed yeah. with Eddie there.
1: Yeah. But yeah. Um, but yeah, that's that's pretty solid right there. I, I agree with some of those picks that you had. Um I think uh out of all the ones we picked so far, I think Fulgrim. I think definitely out of even after the ones that I picked, I think he might be my top one there, to be honest. Um statistically he's just been killing it and i actually i like the guy you know what i'm saying uh you know but with that being said transition over to our around the league segment uh we're gonna go get started with a segment that you guys know well is our fantasy over under so kind of discuss a little bit of records here last week i went one and two so my overall now is three and six um nate you went two and one correct Right. Last week, yeah. He's four and five now. Nick went two and one. Um, and then obviously Michael's zero and zero. He'll get his chance to kind of put a little bit of something in there uh, this week. So the first one that we have is Matt Ryan, 20 points over under against Denver.
0: Mike, do you want to lead us off?
2: I'm going to say that he.
0: Oh, that's tough.
2: Um, Calvin Ridley, is he for sure out? is my question.
1: Just questionable right now.
2: Yeah. Uh, I'm going to go with the under. I think he's going to go okay. under. I think Denver, having Drew lock back, um, I think they're going to start being a little bit more competitive, not just in terms of offense, but I think team overall. So I'm going to go with the under. How
0: I am – yeah, I'm actually going to – I'm going to disagree with you for that exact reason that you just pointed out. I'm going to take the over because, one – Denver's defense is not good. They're the 24th ranked defense against quarterbacks this season. And two, I do expect their offense to be a little bit better than they have been so far this season against a weak Falcons defense. And because of that, I expect the Falcons to continue to pass throughout the game. um, As I expect a lot of points, not necessarily a lot, but enough points to be put up throughout the game on both sides for both teams to kind of keep passing throughout the entire game. So I'm taking the over 20 points versus Denver for Matt Ryan.
1: Um, I got a little bit on both ends here. I'm going to go with the over on 20 here. I think, you know, I think the point that you brought up with Calvin Ridley is a good point, but I kind of have a counterpoint to that, you know, with Calvin Ridley being out, they can rely a little bit more, obviously on Julio, but a little bit more uh, on uh, Todd Gurley. No, not even that. Todd Gurley. Uh, Having Todd Gurley in the game and kind of giving him a little bit more of attention will open up the field a little bit for Matt Ryan, I think. Um, And it'll also give Todd Gurley the opportunity to catch some balls out of the backfield um, since some of those targets are not being taken away um, by some of those receivers. So I'm going to go with the over here. Um, Next one we have, we have Logan Thomas, tight end for the washington football team I have a 10 over under uh and they play the giants i'll
0: go ahead and jump in and lead us off i'm taking the over here logan thomas has been sneaky good this year as a tight end i actually thought about picking him up this morning but saw that somebody else already got to him um new york's defense isn't strong um to my knowledge they're also not necessarily weak versus tight ends but Uh, Like I said, Logan Thomas has been sneaky good. So I would expect him to continue to be good um, with Kyle Allen also playing well, you know, again, kind of sneakily Mm -hmm. for the Washington football team this year. I would expect that connection to continue. So I'm picking the over 10 points against New York Giants for Logan Thomas. And I will jump in to correct myself. The Giants have actually been pretty decent against tight ends. They're the ninth Mm -hmm. best defense against tight ends. So I guess I shouldn't say that they're a weaker defense, but yeah, I would, I would expect Logan Thomas to continue to keep the ball rolling. Yeah.
1: Um, I'm going to agree with you there. Uh, Even though, you know, the Giants play tight ends pretty well. I can't say that they played decent tight ends all year. In my honest opinion, they played the Eagles, the Cowboys um, and some of those other teams where their offenses aren't very tight end heavy. So it's very easy to stop an offense. Tight ends on an offense that doesn't really have them. Um, You know, I think Logan Thomas is one of the better tight ends that they face this year. Um, Obviously, Washington's offense isn't that great, but the matchup itself, I think, is a little better for Logan Thomas. I'm taking the over here. Uh, You know, I think he'll score most likely anywhere around like 16 or 17 points this week.
2: Yeah, I'm going to take the over as well. Um, Kind of like what you said, Eddie, about them not playing really good defense or tight ends. Mm-hmm. Uh, we just saw Gronk score against him, yeah. and I think Gronk is, you know, I think he's better than Thomas, but yeah. Thomas is definitely no scrub. Yeah. So I'm going to take the over on that one as well. Gotcha, gotcha. All
1: right, and the final one we have here, we're doing a team over-under. Um, keep in mind we did this before this trade went through, but we had Wentz equals Kyron uh, with an over-under of 100 uh before the trade i would have taken the under i would have screamed the under um but with this trade i think it gives him a little bit of a chance to actually get over that 100 i don't know if he'll get too far over it but i i I think he'll sit over his 100 this week
0: mike go ahead
2: yeah i would agree i mean you now don't have to worry about taking a chance of picking up a quarterback on the waivers um damian harris acquiring him, I think, yeah, I'm going to take the over on that for sure.
0: I'm also going to take the over because I think, again, I've already stated this previously. I think it's more impressive for a team to way underperform than for them to eclipse that 100-point mark. So yeah. if for nothing else, I just expect Kyron's team to get over 100 because I would be surprised if it didn't. Agreed. I'm taking the over. Nice. Triple over for me this week.
1: Yeah, it's a big one.
0: All right. So that takes us... uh, We're we're kind of moving down here. It's a longer episode, but it takes us into a familiar segment, player A or player B, where I pick two players at a particular position, give these guys some stats, and ask them who they would rather have. So we're going to start it off with some tight ends this week, which we have not gotten in this segment before. So jumping right into it, tight end A has averaged four receptions on six targets for 46 yards and a touchdown. This player has scored four touchdowns on the year and holds a weekly average of 12.4 fantasy points per game. Tight end B has averaged three receptions on six yards for 39 targets and and one touchdown per game and has scored five touchdowns on the season and holds a weekly average of 11.5 fantasy points per game.
1: On that second player, did you mean three target, three receptions on six targets for thirty nine yards?
0: Did I say three targets on six receptions?
1: (laughs) Uh, You said three uh, receptions on six yards for thirty six attempts or something like that. Oh, okay. I meant three, three,
0: three receptions, (laughs) six targets, Mm thirty nine yards, and a touchdown per game for tight end B. And what was his average? Eleven point five fantasy points per game. So. I'll go to you first, Michael. Who would you rather have, tight end A or tight end B? Well,
2: I know one of them is TJ Hawkinson.
0: Repeat the stats again real quick. Tight end A, four receptions, six targets, 46 yards and a touchdown. Tight end B, three receptions, six targets, 39 yards and a touchdown. Tight end A with 12.4 average. Tight end B with 11.5 average points.
2: That tight, is. tight
0: end A. Okay, Eddie.
1: I'm gonna also agree with him. You know, he's 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 getting more targets and more yards thrown his way, and you guys already know how I feel about this. Every player A or player B, I'm always gonna take the player that doesn't have to rely as much on touchdowns. Mm-hmm. Um, and he's been catching the ball well, more catches, more yards, equal in the same amount of touchdowns. But for me, as long as they're consistently getting more yards, I think that's gonna bode better for them.
2: But
0: do you think that Michael? Do you think that you chose T.J. Hawkinson, or do you think that you picked against them?
2: I definitely think I picked him.
0: And what pretty, gave it away that confident. play? What gave it away that tight end day was T.J. Hawkinson? Do you?
2: Uh, because he's been consistent, okay. and I think in terms of like how Eddie said, he'd rather have somebody who is getting more targets and volume. Sure. Um, because I know you brought that up to me. Um, yeah, I think. I think you're starting to see now the talent that the Lions saw when they drafted him. Yeah. And I definitely think, you know, he's definitely in the rise for sure in terms of tight end.
0: I agree. So, tight end B, any guesses? If not, I can just go ahead and say who it is. Say Evan Ingram? No. Mike, any guesses? Um,
2: if not, that's okay. I don't think it's Gronk. Because he he's only just recently scored, so I'm not sure.
0: Tight end B is the other tight end on my team, Mark Andrews. Mm. Mm. TJ Hawkinson gonna... is tight end four on the year, and Mark Andrews is tight end seven on the year, and they're separated by a total combined 6.6 points. Yeah. That's the edge that TJ Hawkinson has on Andrews. It's pretty close between those two. Oh, yeah. And honestly, I've just been debating myself lately, like – When my bye weeks are over, who do I start at tight end? So I just thought it'd be an interesting comparison to put in this segment for the week. But moving on, got a quarterback pairing for the second duo this week. Quarterback A is averaging 272 passing yards with two passing touchdowns and one interception per game, while also averaging 28 rushing yards on seven carries per game with one rushing touchdown on average. And this player has averaged 22.4 fantasy points per game through eight weeks. Quarterback B is averaging 303 passing yards with three passing touchdowns in one interception per game, while also averaging 24 rushing yards on five carries per game. And this player has averaged 24.5 fantasy points per game through eight weeks. So I will toss it to you, Eddie. Player A or player B, which quarterback would you rather have?
1: Probably go B here. Um, you know, they're they're passing more per game. They're getting more yards out there, they're getting more touchdowns, equal amount of uh interceptions. I think it's just overall quarterback B is producing more. Um kind of want to throw it out there. <clears throat> I think I have an idea of who it is, but I'll wait till Michael goes so it doesn't link sway his his decision. And then once he's done, I, I kind of want to give an idea to see who it is.
0: Sure. Mike, who would you rather have?
2: So quarterback A has one more passing
0: touchdown? No. Quarterback A has two passing touchdowns, one pick, but also one Mm -hmm. rushing touchdown per game on average. Mm -hmm. Quarterback B has three passing touchdowns, one interception per game, no rushing touchdowns on average. Overall, quarterback B is averaging 24.5 points per game, and quarterback A is averaging 22.4. Go ahead. I'm going to go with A. Okay. I think it's I think it's a fair diversion to make. Um and you'll you'll especially see why once I share who they are. But Eddie, go ahead and take your guess. Are you guessing who you picked? Uh
1: I'm gonna guess A I'm gonna say Deshaun Watson.
0: Incorrect. Ooh. Any other guesses?
1: <sighs> hmm. I, I want to say Russell Wilson up there cuz he's been averaging some some nice points up towards the top but I think Russell it,
0: Wilson's been a little bit more dominant. Yeah,
1: that's too. yeah, and that's what I was thinking. I was like I think he's he's been averaging a little bit more. So
0: Michael chose quarterback A who was who was Josh Allen mm. and Eddie chose quarterback B, Justin Herbert. Ooh, Jake. Ooh.
1: I like Justin Herbert. Josh
0: Allen is quarterback four on the season. Justin Herbert is QB 12, but that's because he's played in less games because Tyrod Taylor started to begin the season. Mm -hmm. I think I would rather have Herbert at this point with the way that Allen has been playing lately, but close, very close. Agreed. All right. Uh, Getting into our second to last segment. This one shouldn't be too long. Transaction of the week. I will let uh, Eddie lead us off. What was your transaction of the week?
1: I think uh, transaction of the week, I think, is my trade with JC. I think I'm going to I'm gonna put that up there as a transaction of the week for me. Um, I think it worked out both sides. I think it was a very even trade for both of us, and, and it fills in caps
0: for both of us. Fair enough. Mike, what do you got? It's
2: tough. Um, I'm going to put myself in there. <laughs> I know I didn't have Cream Hunt. I know I didn't have Cream Hunt. Got a similar talent with Edward Dallaire. So,
0: yeah. You're picking your trade of Kareem Hunt for Clyde and Shepard?
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Okay. Well, I guess I'll just follow the chain then and say that I'm going to throw myself in (laughs) for Transaction of the Week. But I actually broke my own rules a little bit. And I did it because I kind of wanted to share in retrospect what it all ended up looking like. I picked my string of four related transactions, which were, one, I send Randall Cobb to Scott for Scotty Miller. Two, I send Will Fuller, Scotty Miller, and Adrian Peterson to Michael for Tyler Boyd, Dalton Schultz, and LaVisca Chennault Jr. Three, I send Dalton Schultz to Keegan for Boston Scott. And four, I send Boston Scott and John Brown to Lucas for David Montgomery. So the reason why I picked this is because at the beginning of the week, I went over it. I I, I knew I was hurting with James Robinson, Terry McLaurin, Will Fuller, and Randall Cobb out on buys. And then, of course, if that wasn't enough, Chris Godwin being ruled out, coming as a surprise. So at the beginning of the week, I was just seeking out some small bargains that would help me for that week, hence why I traded Randall Cobb for Scotty Miller. Then, through a little bit of serendipity, it just so happened that my week matchup of buys was compatible with Michael's. Um, As we've mentioned before, he was going to have Kareem Hunt, Tyler Boyd, and Robert Woods on buy this week against Scott. And so that trade happened. But even after that, I still had a a hole to fill in my lineup, or at least I thought it was going to be a hole at the time at running back. So I used the throw in of Dalton Schultz on that last deal to get Boston Scott. And the reason why I say I thought I had a hole was because Damon Harris ended up actually having a really good game. So I would have just stuck with him. I probably would have gotten the same outcome, which was a loss anyway. But yeah, my thought process at the time was filling that hole. Then I sold Lucas, again, I've already went over this, on handcuffing his most valuable running back when healthy in Miles Sanders, which happened to be inside of 24 hours before game time for the Eagles. So it still allowed me to utilize Boston Scott's services for the weekend matchup. So in retrospect, it kind of seems like I'm masterminded. um, And that's why I sent that Megamind gif in chat. But I was just kind of using the momentum to build one trade on top of the others before it. But I thought it was a pretty cool string of trades uh, yeah. how they related to each other. So that's why I picked it for my transaction of the week, even though it wasn't one yeah. transaction. I agree. All right. Getting into our final segment of this long episode, our news and notes segment. First, big news out of the week. George Kittle is out for the fantasy season, a minimum of eight weeks, which would take him all the way through the end of week 16, which is our fantasy league championship week. My question to you guys does this firmly cement TJ Hawkinson in the top five tight ends? And just to give you an idea of who else you know, would be included in that list now that Kittle is out would be, of course, Travis Kelsey, Darren Waller. Um, those are probably the unanimous top two without Kittle. But then some of the other names to consider in that top five are Mark Andrews, Jonu Smith, and I would even speculatively consider Dallas Goddard to maybe enter that top five. Of course, he has to show that coming off of a broken ankle. But I definitely think he could turn into that. What do you guys think? I
1: think uh, I think it does. Um, you know, looking around the league right now at the tight ends and kind of what the production that TJ Hawkinson is giving out right now, I think it's pretty easy, at least for me, to put him in that top five right now with Travis Kelsey being out.
0: Mike,
2: yeah, yeah, I would agree. Um, Kenny Galladay, he's been battling through injuries all year. Um the ball's got to go somewhere. And TJ Hawkinson has definitely produced this year. So, yeah, I would agree.
0: And then stemming off of the George Kittle injury, do you guys have any big expectations for Jordan Reed since he's probably the number one tight end in San Francisco now? No. Hmm. And why do you say that?
2: Because he's always hurt. I can't remember a season where this guy has even played Eight games in a season.
0: I don't know. I'd have to look that one <laughs> up. But he question. he is on IR now, but he's going to be coming off IR yeah. this week if he hasn't already been activated. Go ahead, yeah. Eddie.
1: Um, I do expect a lot of that out of him. I the you know that question that I asked in the group chat. I was like, hey, you know, if you if you put two people on your waiver wire, I was like, how does that look? I was like, get both of them. Is it one priority over the other? And he was the reason why. Um, I had him kind of near the top because i knew i had some ideas of what i wanted to do with him once i got him on my team you know um and i expect him to kind of fill that role not exactly to the capability that travis kelsey fills that role but i think he will fill it just enough to where he's going to be a viable tight end option for the rest of the year um but i kind of went my safe route took a quarterback and focused on everything else after that um but yeah, Jordan Reed was on my radar this week coming in, and I almost used my one number one fantasy claim on it. Uh,
0: as he was on mine. Yeah, yeah, he was on my radar as well. Um, before we move on, you know, for the episode from tight ends, I do want to say, and I don't really know why, but tight, uh, Kyron dropped Zach Ertz in his trade with me. So I don't want to necessarily meddle <laughs> by announcing that he's out there on waivers, but I just thought that that was a super interesting decision from him mm-hmm. because he was on IR and not taking a bench spot. But yeah, Zach Hertz is now on waivers and uh, he's not necessarily coming back soon, but should be back before the end of the fantasy season. Um, did you have anything to add there, Eddie? No. Okay. Got it. All. Got it. Next piece of news. Miles Gaskin out for three weeks with a sprained MCL. Uh, we talked about it briefly before. Does this give Michael a legit shot to upset Scott this week? Eddie? i'll Possibly. just be honest
1: you can go ahead yeah go ahead and be honest and then i'll i'll kind of
2: cap. oh no i was saying no just be honest. oh
1: okay 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 um <laughs> i honestly don't know i yes miles gaskins being out kind of hurts but from top to bottom uh, scott has a pretty good team so even with Miles Gaskins coming this week and the matchup that he has with Michael this week, I I don't think it affects the outcome too much in my opinion.
0: I'll jump in and kind of give you the answer that you were expecting Mike, which is that I don't necessarily think it legitimizes your shot any more than it was already before yeah. of upsetting Scott. Uh, but yeah. Yeah.
2: I, I mean, I I would agree. I mean, he picked up Jordan Howard. He has Matt Prieta So, I mean, it's not, you know, Gaskin's been good, but not great. But being able to pick up those, I mean, he already had Breida. He picked up Howard. So all man can do is hope. Yeah. And just kind of go from there. I mean, I. I
0: I don't think it's impossible for you to win. I just mm -hmm. don't necessarily think that this injury. I don't, I don't really think it moved the needle that much. Yeah.
2: No, I, I, not for this week, but. I will say a uh, closing note on my part. I think it definitely hurts Scott down the road because yeah. if Melvin Gordon gets suspended and Gaskins out, where are you at at running back?
1: Yeah, right. I think, I think he's in a good spot right now though, where he has Matt Breda, who's a solid running back and Jordan Howard, who's proved yeah. before that he can, he can carry a workload in an organization. Okay. So I, I don't know if he'll be hurting that much with Gaskins out. Um, But I think, like you said, with the Melvin Gordon aspect, yes, he better go up, uh, hurry up and go trade for Philip Lindsay.
0: This next question is kind of funny because I prepped this segment before today's trade happened. Mm -hmm. I I wrote down, do you think Scott moves Gaskin and or plugs up this hole at running back via trade? I wrote that last night. And then, of course, you see today that he traded. uh, Or maybe it was yesterday, Mike. Was it yesterday that you guys made that trade with Melvin Gordon and J.K. Dobbins?
2: yeah I guess it must have yeah.
0: yeah it must have had to have been because he traded Dobbins to Nick today, but yeah. uh nonetheless, it was before that trade happened that i wrote wrote this down, and of course, Scott went out and you know patched that hole by trading for Melvin Gordon and then getting Philip Lindsay off of Nick, so the mm-hmm. question kind of answers itself, yeah, Scott went out and picked up running back through trade. So I don't really think much needs to be said there unless you yeah. guys have something to add.
1: No, I think it was a smart move for him, especially with the whole thing of Melvin Gordon not being sure and the whole thing with Gaskins being sure. He filled both of those spots very quick.
2: Yeah, I mean, I would agree. Um, plug and play, put him in now. But I am going on future tense. If Gordon does get suspended, um, he's going to make a need to make a move real quick. Uh, and I think... I know because obviously he's my uncle, and I've been in talks with him, and I'm sure everybody else has. If he wants to fill the need at running back, I will say he's going to have to move one of the big three wideouts. And I know he's been holding on to that with Diggs, Olio, and DK. Mm-hmm. But if he wants to fill a need, I don't see how he doesn't move one of those wideouts.
0: He's yep. I mean, he's done it once before this year. He traded Michael yeah, Thomas yeah, no. to get Jonathan Taylor. So he's I definitely agree. shown the willingness, but it doesn't necessarily make it any less of a tough decision. So it's yeah, definitely yeah. No, good point to bring up. Uh,
2: yeah. the last
0: the last question of, of our episode, and I'm gonna alter it a little bit after we kind of get through it. Is Jake quietly building the best team in the league? And let me give you some context before before I let you guys jump in on this. Is quarterbacks. Justin Herbert, who we compared to Josh Allen and legitimately said that he might be better than Josh Allen, who's a pretty consensus top five quarterback, Aaron Rodgers, who is currently the quarterback five on the season. So he's shown that he is a top five quarterback. This week, he gets back Christian McCaffrey, the number one overall pick of the draft and the number one overall player in fantasy last year by a mile. And now, well, he he did have Kenyon Drake, but now he's going to have that. San Francisco 49ers backfield of Jarek McKinnon and Jamichael Hasty, which not necessarily well-known for being running back twos, but I think on a week-to-week basis playing the matchups, one of those two can give you running back two production. His wide receivers now are going to be Michael Thomas and Allen Robinson. His tight end we know is by far the best tight end in the league, Travis Kelsey. His flex players, DJ Moore, Brandon Ayuk, those are – very good players at the flex position and then of course jake has been pretty much streaming defense all year and it's been working out well for him because he's basically picking a team that's playing another nfc east team all season so Mm -hmm. it's been working out for him all year is he quietly building not just a really good team but the best team in the league i would consider calling him the best team in the league after today's moves um i don't know i'm in a tough spot
1: right there um, I think with certain things that have happened like you said there's there's a possibility that he might quietly be building the best team in the league but I'm going to say that I think I've loudly been making the best team in the league and making some of the moves that I've made because such of the big names that I've made in my trades I think with some of the moves that both of us have made and kind of with the lineup that he has I would say yeah I think quietly yeah I think he is He's, he's at least in the conversation.
2: Mike? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, quietly, I would say the potential there. If this would have been last year, no question about it. No question about it. But there is a lot of unknowns, the trades that he's made. Um, it's still I, McCaffrey is McCaffrey. I mean, he's easily He's easily the best fantasy running back, but we're going to have to see how he, how he works and operates after this injury. I mean, this is the first injury he's had in his young career. Yeah. Yes, he's young, but, I mean, that's still yet to be seen. Mm-hmm. I don't expect him to fall that far, but who knows? And especially with Mike Davis producing the way he did, I don't think there's going to be like a – cream hunt nick chubb kind of concept yeah remain to be seen i'll tell you what yeah go ahead
1: i'll tell you what mike davis surprisingly can catch the ball out of the backfield very well i don't know if you guys have peeped that but i was looking at it a little bit it's kind of taking a deep dive into his stats the other day and i was like wow i was like he he's actually can catch the ball out of the backfield very well but yeah, I just yeah. Hope, I don't want to throw that out there because of that do, yeah. um,
0: my, uh It's funny that you mentioned, Eddie, my part two of this question that I was going to add on the spot was based on your trade with JC today. I just <laughs> kind of, it kind of forced my attention there and I was going to say like Eddie too, you're just kind of, I don't want to say out of nowhere because your team is already trending upward, but now all of a sudden after, you know, seven days elapse, you go to your roster and look and from top to bottom, there's an argument to be made that you have the best roster in the league. Your quarterbacks are not weak at all with Burrow and Tannehill. Certainly not the top pair of quarterbacks in the league, but it's, yeah. it's up there with you know top five teams in the league in terms of the quarterback pairing. Don't think that your running backs can be matched by anyone, really. I mean, I know Nick has some strong running backs, um, but I don't think that anyone in terms of just the sheer dominance of Alvin Kamara, Aaron Jones, and now Josh Jacobs being added to that mix can match the output of those three running backs from one roster alone in our league, and your wide receiving core. I know you sent out Keenan Allen, but you also got Tyreek Hill this past week as well. It's no slouch either with Tyreek Hill, of course, leading the way. You also still have Cooper Cup. See what Antonio Brown materializes to. Cole Beasley and Brandon Cooks have been underrated players this year, so I would say the only area necessarily that you haven't been strong in is tight end, I which. Has been a hard position to come by this year in particular.
1: And yeah, uh, that's one of the positions that I'm really trying to see if I can upgrade. But at the the same time, it's not something that I'm extremely, extremely hurting at because Evan Ingram, though he hasn't been crazy, he's consistently been putting up at least somewhere near 10 points. And it's really all I need out of him right now. Um, But, you know, I have looked around and kind of asked some questions and kind of looked around to see what tight ends are out there. But, you know, there's really nothing out there that I feel that I need to force a move to make. Um, and again, I have full confidence in my team, um, after this trade. And like I said, I think I'm loudly making an argument for the best team in the league right now with some of the moves that I've made.
0: We have a lot of really good teams. So yeah. I'm excited to yeah. see how these last playoff five weeks fun. shake out. Yeah. I think, yeah. I think the best teams are going to get playoff spots. So I'm glad that nobody is too far buried. That their that their team won't eclipse a playoff spot if I deserve if they deserve it. Like I think yeah. Jake, even at three and five, isn't too far back yeah, to no. to go ahead and put on a show for us and grab yeah. a playoff. And spot. And I think with so his matchups
1: with his matchups coming up, Jake, I think it it puts him in a good spot to actually try to contend here. So
0: yeah, well, Mike, it's been fun having you on. Do you have uh, any parting words for the league or for us, or just a message that you'd like to share before we get off this episode?
2: I will say that I think personally even though this has been a unlucky season for me me sitting at 3 and 5 bang through some injuries on my roster this has definitely been the most entertaining season of fantasy football Ooh, I've been in by far for me No question about yeah. it I because me even me sitting here at 3 and 5 I still I still like want to compete. I still want to like try to find my way to win. And I've played fantasy football for the better part of what four years now. And I definitely, definitely the most entertaining. Can't question about it.
1: Yeah. And, I completely agree with you. I think this hands down has been the most fun and entertaining season of fantasy football that I've ever been a part of. I've been playing fantasy football for probably like eight years now. Um, I've been playing since I was really young, obviously not for money for eight years, but I've been playing fantasy football for eight years and like looking at it now this year, I think. And like you said, it, you're three and five. You want to compete, but that's because you realistically know that you can go out and try to make trades because people are willing to make moves. Um, so it yeah. kind of gives you that hope that you can go out and make moves. And that's what I love about it this year. We're averaging anywhere from eight to 10 trades per week. Yeah.
0: That's insane, but it's fun. So I think that's I what makes our league really awesome. Oh, yeah. To be honest. I agree. I've, yeah. I've played in a lot of leagues. I don't want to say a lot of leagues. I've played in quite a few leagues where... Trading is hard to come by, mm-hmm. and I think in those leagues, I don't want to say it's wrong to not trade, but what I think it does uh, naturally is it, when the when the season is moving forward and you start to get see the the good teams separate from the bad, you're kind of squashing all the hope for the bad teams yeah. to improve at all or grab a playoff spot when the league as a whole doesn't trade very often. Mm-hmm. And at that point, if you're not doing well and nobody's trading, you pretty much don't expect your team to turn it around. Um, not only do you lose hope for your team, but I think at that point, fantasy football just doesn't become fun anymore. Mm-hmm. And I think it's something that if you're putting your time toward it. You, you want to be having fun. So I really like the fact that in our league teams that are seven and one, such as Nick are always looking to push trades you know, he's having fun with that, obviously being at the top of the standings, but I'm sure even if he wasn't, he's having fun making trades, mm. but even teams that are three and five, like Jake today, making a few moves himself. I'm sure he's having fun building his team and kind of being hopeful, looking ahead that he's going to grab a playoff spot. So I love the dynamic of our league where we have a, not necessarily, we need to have a lot of trades every single week, but I love the willingness for the most part that everyone has to talk trade, be willing to shake their team up and, just like I said a couple episodes ago, always be looking to improve their team. I think that should always be the mindset in fantasy football. Agreed. Yep. Go ahead and take us out, Eddie.
1: Yeah. With that being said, uh, thank you, Michael, for coming out to this episode. We really appreciate it. Uh, Thank you, everyone, for listening. Uh, This will be posted either sometime the night of the 4th or sometime throughout the day of the 5th before Thursday night football. So you'll be hearing this likely before the game uh, starts if there is a game. But again, thank you for coming out to episode four. We appreciate it. And you guys have yourself a great night.